Free Talk Live. It's your show, and you can bring up anything if you dial toll-free 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line, and it's Ian here with you. And Mark. And you can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. All the features on the site are free, so enjoy those on us. Again, that's freetalklive.com. Lots to talk about here. Of course, your call's primary. Uh, i got some police state news for you first to start the show off tonight. Uh, we'll start off with our friend Terry over from Checkpoint USA at CheckpointUSA.org. Love this blog. It is uh, one of the most, I think, uh, eye-opening blogs I think I've ever come across. And in case you're not familiar, CheckpointUSA.org has been chronicling uh, one man's attempts to remain as free as he possibly can while in the what they're now calling the uh, constitution-free zone in this country, the 100-mile, uh, essentially the swath of land that essentially if you draw a 100-mile uh, chunk out from the border into the country, all around the, the country, then uh, you've got this constitution-free zone, which we can talk about that a little bit later. But he lives within this area. He works within this area. And so he's constantly coming across what they call uh, roving checkpoints. Uh, they also have permanent checkpoints as well. And these are installations or, again, set or just per- impermanent setups where... Border Patrol agents are essentially stopping every single car that comes through, and they're demanding to know what the citizenship is of all of the occupants. But there's more to it than that. As we've talked about recently, it's not just that they want to know people's citizenship. Of course, they also want to waylay you. They want to stop you. They want to get you out of the car. They want to search the car. They want to get as much as they can out of you, right? Right. Uh, they want to, they want you to be as obedient as uh, you can be, and they want you to let them just do whatever it is that they want. Well, Terry over at CheckpointUSA.org has an interesting little system that he's devised, and it has to do with, well, protecting your rights. And so what he does when he goes through – now, to be fair, Terry is not of the uh, Hispanic persuasion, so he's a white dude. So he probably doesn't get hassled as badly as somebody else might who was, uh, say, you know, named Juan – uh, but Terry was is, he co- he goes through nonetheless, and when they demand to know his citizenship, he asks them a couple of really important questions. And if you live within this area and you've encountered these uh, checkpoint things, you might want to commit these to memory. Am I being detained? Am I free to go? And by the way, this these questions work even if you live in the center of the country and you're just being harassed by the police on the street. Uh, but in this case, he's in his he's in his car. He's pulled over to the side of the road because uh, if you go through the barrier, then who knows what they're going to do to you at that point. So he pulls over, and then the bureaucrat comes up and demands to know citizenship. And usually Terry has a video camera with him, so you can actually go to CheckpointUSA.org and see some of this stuff actually happening uh, to prove that it's for real. And he just bats back every single question the bureaucrats ask him with one of his own. And it's usually something like, am I free to go? Am I being detained? And eventually they let him go without ever ascertaining from him what his alleged citizenship actually is. So it's amazing. It's an amazing website, CheckpointUSA.org. And apparently uh, he continues to update it with new content all the time because this is the latest entry. Approximately two months after the Department of Homeland Security set up a suspicionless internal checkpoint near milepost 146 on State Route 86 in Arizona, I submitted a Freedom of Information Act request to U.S. Customs and Border Protection's Washington, D.C. office. The specific information I'm seeking includes a copy of the Border Patrol's field manual for operating internal suspicionless checkpoints, 
a copy of the Border Patrol study used to justify establishing a checkpoint along that particular um, route. A copy of a checkpoint summary of, of checkpoint summary reports regarding seizures at the checkpoint since its inception in early 2008, meaning he wants to know what stuff did you take from people, how much drugs, etc., etc. A copy of Immigration Law, a Department of Justice publication related to immigration case law. The Freedom of Information Act is a federal law that, in theory, requires executive branch agencies to provide individuals access to public records under the agency's control, with a few exceptions. If the agency fails or refuses to provide access to the requested documentation within a reasonable time frame, the law creates a legal cause of action against the agency. Sounds good, right? It does. Well, according to Terry, the reality, however, is quite different. Executive branch agencies routinely drag their feet for months, if not years, regarding these Freedom of Information Act requests. I'm sure that's true. Yep. Sometimes requests are ignored outright. Additionally, there is little recourse in the courts given that judges rarely, if ever, impose sanctions on federal agencies for failing to obey the law. Conflict of in- a conflict of interest? I mean, we've, we've always talked about how... It's a government judge. Right. <laughs> who's uh, paying him? Ruling on a government agency. Yeah. Who's, pay- who's cutting his paychecks? Where, where does a government judge's incentives lie? Do they lie with you, the little people? Or do they lie with his buddies that he goes golfing with? His co-workers? You decide. Take, for instance, says Terry, this article I wrote for Freedoms Phoenix several years back regarding a few of my earlier... Freedom of Information Act requests. Whoops, that's an article he links to. You can see that at CheckpointUSA.org. With regards to my most recent request, it took the agency over five and a half months merely to acknowledge receipt. So when you give something to the government, you're supposed to get some sort of confirmation. If you look for confirmation, you want to find out that they actually received it. You want to send it via like a registered mail or something like that or via private delivery service or better yet, if you're in the same area as the government bureaucrats, take it down to them like I did today and, and actually hand it to them. So you know for certain you, they got that piece of paper. Can you get a receipt from them then um, sometimes too, right? They would not give me one today when I went down to try it. Anyway, with regards to my uh, – he says it took them over five and a half months to acknowledge receipt. The August 29th response from Customs and Border Protection stated my request had been received, but the document, uh, documentation requested was still being compiled and would have to be vetted before final release. Additionally, the agency denied me access to one document that originated in the Department of Justice. The Homeland Security Agency indicated I needed to contact the DOJ directly and request the document from them. So that means another Freedom of Information Act request, however long that one will take. Who knows? Legally, an agency is required to respond to a FOIA request within 20 days of receipt. That means Customs and Border Protection is already over 210 days out of compliance with their own law. If history is any guide, however, Customs and Border Protection will take well over a year to fill this information request if it ever bothers to fill it at all. Given that Americans are being routinely seized and searched by armed federal agents absent suspicion at internal checkpoints, it's not unreasonable to expect the Department of Homeland Security to comply with their law and release public information regarding such checkpoints. Unfortunately, transparency and accountability don't appear to be high priorities for Homeland Security these days. Just figured I'd share that with you guys. I don't, think that the, I don't think the government's been very good about being forthcoming about uh, much of anything, I mean, yeah. ever. It, it, it seems to me that the people that would be in government would say to themselves, uh, you know, we don't have any obligation to respond to these people's complaints. Um, we're doing what we're doing. This is our job to do this, mm-hmm. uh, you know, and if they don't like it, they can go pound salt in their butts. Yeah. I, I'm sure that that's exactly what they're saying to themselves. Right. What's, I mean, what would even happen, though? I mean, if... 
Let's say Terry here at CheckpointUSA.org decided that he was going to take action on the fact that these bureaucrats didn't even acknowledge the Freedom of Information Act request until almost six months after he sent it, when it was supposed to be a 20-day window. So it's clear that they're in violation of their own law. Let's say Terry took that, ran with it, and decided to bring a lawsuit based on that. Hey, you guys didn't respond to my Freedom of Information Act request within enough time. All right, I'm taking you to court. Then what? I think who may- gets punished? I, I think maybe you get lucky, um, and they give you some kind of uh, money to pay the court costs that you incurred in the uh, years that you uh, took to to go through this. You mean they would just pay the court costs because you wouldn't get money for that, right? They'd right. I don't think you. I don't cost. think you get uh, too much as far as punitive damages. Maybe you would, but it wouldn't be worth the ten years that right. you put into it. Are bureaucrats going to get fired over this? The people that are responsible for responding within the twenty day window are they going to get canned? When they write laws for us, we go to prison. When they write laws for themselves, nothing happens. Or sometimes they do get put on administrative leave, which means they get paid to go on like a vacation while they but who's investigate. Gonna, who's going to get it? I mean, I, I just can't imagine. It's probably like, oh, we didn't really have a good system for responding, and yeah. you know, we didn't really. We'll have... do better next time. So what they're going to have to do is they're going to have to create a whole new department to respond mm. to these things, and, and you know, maybe the next ones will, maybe they'll be better in the future. But yeah. you know, really, is that great? Right. So, so as he points out, you've got a situation where all around this country, especially in the southern border area, within a hundred miles from the southern border, people are being stopped. They're being, uh, they're, you know, they're. <laughs> They don't know their rights, so they don't realize their rights are, are being essentially stripped from them voluntarily on their own by their own consent. Uh, but people are being harassed by these uh, border patrol folks, and there's absolutely no way to use the system to stop this. The system ignores you. It's free talk live. It's your show, and you can bring up anything if you dial toll-free at 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line, and it's Ian here with you. And Mark. You can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. All the features on the site completely free, so enjoy those on us. They include live streams. Uh, That's a broadband live stream available for you 24 hours a day. Also, dial-up live stream, also available 24 hours a day. Cam, not 24 hours, but it's there during the live hours of the program, and it's all for free. So head over to listen.freetalklive.com. That's listen.freetalklive.com, and the Institute for Humane Studies is now offering free seminars over spring break. This March, you can join other libertarians from across the country for an intense and interdisciplinary exploration of classical liberal and libertarian thought. Participation is free. IHS provides housing and meals during the conference, and you can apply now to attend a seminar if you're an undergraduate, graduate student, or a recent graduate at the University of California, Santa Cruz, March 7th through 12th, or Emory University in Atlanta from March 14th through the 19th. Visit LibertarianSeminars.com for more information and get on board. That's LibertarianSeminars.com. So we talk, uh, started the show out giving you an update from Terry over at CheckpointUSA.org. He had put in a Freedom of Information Act request. And even though the government's own rules say that they're supposed to respond within 20 days... They took five and a half months to respond. Now, is he going to do anything about this, bring a lawsuit? I don't know. He doesn't really specify in his most recent article, but he he wanted to share that, I think, to show how bureaucratic and slow and awful, you know, this, the federal government people can be. I mean, th- there's a law on their own books that says they have to do such and such. They don't do such and such, and there's nothing you can do about it, really. You, really, you can spend more of your time and effort trying to chase them down about it. I'm sure Terry could hire himself a lawyer and go after him over this, but that's just going to take more of your time away from you. 
So they're just they're sitting up there in their little throne, and you peons, if you want your information, you'll just have to wait for it. We'll get around to it whenever we're ready. And we'll, of course, give you what we feel like giving you. I mean, it's just crazy. The, the whole idea that this system is in, in any way open or transparent, this government system, and the, don't the politicians always talk about that crap? We need more transparent government and blah, blah, blah. Elect me and we'll be able to have transparent government. Yeah. One Freedom of Information Act request, five and a half months for them to even acknowledge receipt of it. Acknowledging receipt, that doesn't mean they've done anything about it. It doesn't mean that they're actively do, you know, trying to fill the request. That's just them saying, yeah, we got, your, uh, we got your request. Took them five and a half months for that. So, so does anybody out there really still think the federal government is worth saving? 800-259-9231. I guess uh, the questions would be, you know, like, what does the federal government do for you? I mean, what is the benefit of having the federal government? The only thing I can really come up with is the military. And, um, you know, as far as I can tell, the the military... Costa Rica doesn't have a military, and they're okay. Yeah, I think that the United States would be fine if we didn't have a military. Yeah. Absolutely fine. Uh, the military is being used as uh, security forces for oil companies. I mean, that's that's the reason we're over in the Middle East in the first damn place. Well, there's that, and there's I mean, that's kind of oversimplifying. The other reason is because the military-industrial complex, the people that make the bombs and the tanks and all those folks, they make a lot of money after uh, on, off of any war, whether it's in the Middle East or whether it's in you know New Zealand. Certainly, uh, they make a lot of money. But um, yeah, and the army was meant by the constitution. I mean, if, if it's not the letter of the Constitution, it's certainly the spirit of the Constitution. The Army was meant to only be brought up um, for two years at a time. So, I mean, obviously they didn't lim- limit themselves in case they got into a war that was more than two years long. But the idea of a standing Army is essentially unconstitutional. All you have to do is read it with a clear mind, yeah, and you'll clear. realize that that's just the case. Now, um, you know, at the time of the Constitution was written, I don't think we had a, we did not have a Navy, um, and so therefore we didn't have Marines, we certainly didn't have an Air Force, um, and we didn't have much of a Coast Guard. So all this stuff uh, is extra-constitutional. Yeah, I mean, if you want something that, uh, if you want to have some battle tanks or airplanes think can drop bombs and shoot things then you should get together with your like-minded friends and raise some money start an organization and go out and buy those things you can have them and fly them around if you want to that'll make you feel more safe or you know offer some sort of protection services to people in the marketplace if you believe that that level of protection is in demand personally i think we're fine with just people being armed in their own homes I think that's fine. I think that'd be enough to deter an invasion. Right. Um, um, the, it works for Switzerland. The, the United States is uh, blessed by having neighbors that are very unlikely to uh, to yeah. roll across our borders. I mean, are we going to get invaded by Canada or right. Mexico? Uh, okay. Who? The, who? Right. So China. Right. That's the no, that's the next best. We're thing. their best customer. We're the, we're yeah right. Um, you know, but let's say China for some reason wants to take us over. How would they do it? People? They don't even have the ships. They couldn't even get their uh, troops like, here. Maybe they could shoot cities, but if the federal government was small and minuscule, I mean, how could they take over? If there isn't a government to take over, then how do you take over? It's just crazy. I mean, just to believe that that America could be taken over by force from an outside force is ludicrous. What's reality is that America has been taken over without 
uh, overt force from the inside. The people that want to control others have managed to rise through the ranks in government, and now you know they call themselves Republicans and Democrats, and they've completely subverted everything that America, you know, the, the concepts that this country was originally founded on. It's all been subverted. The Communist Manifesto is pretty much in place, like seven or eight out of ten planks. And, and it's really the Republicans and the Democrats that did it. I mean, it it's sure not is. one or the other people. Right. I mean, as much as they're calling Barack Obama redistribution of wealth and suggesting he's a socialist, sorry, <laughs> the biggest uh, taxes or spend, uh, at the very least uh, spending uh, a president that we've had out there, the largest of the growth of government that we've had is George Bush over the last eight years. It's true. Well, let me get back to the story here about the uh, this constitution free zone. You're going to see more of these popping up around the country. But right now, uh, according to the ACLU and ArsTechnica.com, longtime Ars readers know that I've had my own problems. This is written by John Stokes. In the constitution-free zone that exists in U.S. airports, but an aggressive new ACLU campaign highlights a fact of which I was previously unaware. The constitution-free zone that exists at U.S. borders and airports actually extends 100 air miles inland and encompasses two-thirds of the country's population. The U.S. Border Patrol can set up checkpoints anywhere in this region and question citizens, which is what we were talking about at the beginning of the hour, where people are just being randomly stopped, random checkpoints. They're within this 100-mile zone uh, where the Fourth Amendment to the Constitution uh, you know, contains a border-related exception to unreasonable ch- uh, search and seizure laws, permitting searches at border checkpoints that wouldn't be permitted elsewhere. Huh? I don't know. That doesn't make sense. But Federal Statute 8-whatever defines the border zone for enforcement purposes as encompassing an area within 100 miles of the actual border with the possibility of extending it further under certain circumstances. This means that the U.S. Border Patrol could conceivably set up random checkpoints asking travelers for a passport in places like Columbus, Ohio, Houston, or anywhere in the state of Florida, not to mention New Hampshire. And, in fact, it appears it's been doing exactly this. In 2003, the Seattle Times reported on random spot checks of cars and luggage that Border Patrol agents were performing on U.S. citizens who were taking the ferry between Washington State and the San Juan Islands. Because most of the passengers on these ferries had not actually crossed an international border, the ACLU advised them at the time not to answer any questions asked of them by federal agents. And I think that is a, I think that's a decent a- approach to take. If you're not going to, if you don't have the gumption to ask questions back at these bums, then don't answer their questions. But I think you're better off if you actually ask questions explicitly of them, like, am I free to go? Am I being detained? You know, what's your name? What's your supervisor's name? What do you mean by blah, blah, blah? You know, when they tell you things, when they demand things of you, when they, when they ask you if you understand, don't ever say yes. Don't concede. Don't give them information you don't have to. More on the way about this Constitution-Free Zone in moments. It's Free Talk Live. Our archives, website, and podcast will continue to stay free. But if you think other people deserve to hear this show, consider becoming a Free Talk Live amplifier for just $3 a month at amp.freetalklive.com. Help free some minds. Visit amp.freetalklive.com. Talk Live, you can bring up anything you want if you dial toll-free, 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line, and it's Ian here with you. And Mark. And you can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. All the features are free. They include the updates. You get signed up. We will keep you in the loop whenever there's something you need to know about Free Talk Live. So head over to updates.freetalklive.com. Get on the list for free. That's updates.freetalklive.com. If you have a company or you know somebody who has a company and uh, you know they're, they're having 
trouble in this tough economy? Look to that accounts receivable list. Are there people out there that owe you money? You can turn that list over to SACL CAI, and they'll uh, collect that money for you, and they'll take a percentage, and you'll get a percentage, and it's a heck of a lot more than you've got right now when it's just sitting on your books. SACL CAI, they're the biggest supporter of Free Talk Live. They're huge pro-liberty folks, and you can find out more by clicking on their banner at freetalklive.com, SACL CAI. All right, we are talking about uh, the Constitution Free Zone, as it is being called by the ACLU, and the story is from ArsTechnica.com, though I mentioned I was confused when I was reading it earlier, and there's a good reason, uh, and I didn't stop down to really think about it until the break. The story here claims the Fourth Amendment to the Constitution contains a border-related exemption to unreasonable search and seizure laws, and I thought, as I was reading that, I thought, that doesn't sound right. And so let's check with the Fourth Amendment, unless it's been changed. You, well, you have to remember that uh, when, the, when the, uh, the Supreme Court reads these things, it's amazing the stuff they find. That, you know, they'll read the Second Amendment, and when it says the right to keep and bear arms shall not be infringed, well, that means to them that they can infringe it with uh, licenses, mm-hmm. and you know that any any uh, city or state or whatever can infringe with licenses and mm-hmm. all kinds of different rules, d- different types of guns. So they read they read really funny up there at the Supreme Court. Well, uh, just you know, in case you don't know, let's read the Fourth Amendment here real quick because whoever it is that wrote this article does not know what he's talking about at at, at this point in the story. Uh, the right of the people to be secure in their persons, houses, papers, and effects against unreasonable. Searches and seizures shall not be violated, and no warrant shall issue, but upon probable cause, supported by oath or affirmation, and particularly describing the place to be searched and the persons or things to be seized. That's the end of the Fourth Amendment. I don't see anything in there about a border-related exemption to anything. Nothing like that. Yeah. So, not sure where he got his information uh, from on that particular issue, but at least uh, the rest of the story is about what the ACLU has been doing in regards to the Constitution Free Zone, which I'm glad somebody has decided to take up this uh, particular issue besides Free Talk Live and Checkpoint USA, because it doesn't seem like too many other people have been talking about this. Uh, Of course, we're talking about this 100-mile zone that essentially extends outward from the border, Uh, and that that doesn't just mean the southern border, it also means Canada, it also means the ocean, it means Hawaii, it means anything that's considered a border. The government just created the, uh, you know, the INS, uh, or excuse me, ICE decided, or Border Patrol or whatever, they decided they needed a bigger area to patrol than just the border itself, the little line that would uh, indicate the border. So So they they, picked 100 miles. I mean, it's arbitrary number. And so what what it turns out is that 100 miles traced all around the entire country actually covers over two-thirds of the population. Because, you know, the East Coast, there's a lot of people that live up the East Coast. Yep. Florida, the entirety of the state of Florida, uh, the uh, Maine, New Hampshire, almost all of Vermont, Massachusetts, all completely, uh, completely covered by this 100-mile zone. Everybody in Denver is safe. Well, for now. Uh, let me continue the story here. Well, they could probably go 100 miles out from the Denver International Airport, too. So back in 2003, they, uh, the ACLU got wind of this when the Seattle Times was reporting on spot checks that were going on uh, by the Border Patrol agents on citizen, U.S. citizens who are taking a ferry between Washington State and San Juan Islands. In the intervening years, the ACLU has been collecting other reports of such inland border checkpoints and has built its new Constitution-Free Zone campaign around them. Unfortunately for the ACLU, few of the folks who've been subject to search at such checkpoints have actually come forward with complaints. I wonder why that is. I think they're intimidated. 
But the ones who did speak up have compelling and troubled, uh, troubling stories. Take the story of Vince Peppard from San, uh, San Diego, rather, who crossed the border to buy tiles at a discount store in Mexico. Upon crossing back into the U.S., he was subjected to the usual check at the border, but on driving further inland, he was stopped at a second checkpoint where agents asked to search his car. In fact, we told you a re- this story recently. It was over at CheckpointUSA.org. Uh, Peppard, a member of the ACLU, refused the search, at which point he was questioned repeatedly and eventually escorted from his car while the agents searched it. Segments of Pepper's account from the... I might add that's an illegal search. You know, if they're searching and you haven't given them permission to search and you've told them not to search, that's supposedly against their own rules. Anyway, segments of Peppard's account... They're not real good at following their own rules. ...of the incident, uh, which the ACLU has posted in video form on their site, would almost be funny if the issue weren't so serious. Peppard says, he starts looking at the passport and the driver's license, and he goes to my wife, where were you born? Because she has an accent, but she's a U.S. citizen, and so she says, I was born in Syria. And he goes, ah, a Syrian, like he'd hit the jackpot or something. Pepper then goes a little overboard in expressing worry that he might be stopped and asked... If no, his... she's an American. She has American citizenship. Yeah. Uh, it's disgusting what he just did. He's worried that uh, he might be stopped and asked for his passport at Home Depot or in other random locations, but he finishes off the clip with a concern that may not be so far-fetched. Specifically, Pepper worries that because he's talked to the ACLU and has filed a complaint with the Border Patrol, he might be singled out for further harassment at border checkpoints. Probably end up on the no-fly list. Ultimately, one wonders just how far the feds will push this internal checkpoint idea in a non-emergency situation. Given the likely reaction to citizens being asked to show papers on a mass scale, it seems unlikely that the government will truly install checkpoints north of Columbus and begin screening in large numbers. Uh, Does he mean Columbus, Ohio? Because there's a checkpoint in Vermont. Uh, But vigilance, as the saying goes, is the price of freedom, which is why the ACLU and its allies intend to challenge the practice before we have a chance to find out. Well, sorry, unfortunately, whoever wrote this article, while he had the best of intentions, did not know what he was talking about. There are internal checkpoints north of Columbus. There are, uh, from what I understand, uh, several of them uh, along the Canadian border. And again, I'm not talking about along the border. I mean within 100 miles from the border. So you could be coming back. Cross, cross back into Canada and be driving for 50 miles and then back all of a the sudden, States. right, and then all of a sudden come across one of these installations or come across one of these roving checkpoints. Right, roving checkpoints. It's a, it's a roadblock. That's exactly what it is. Yeah. And, and if nobody talks about it, if nobody reports it, then nobody knows. Then it's, it's essentially invisible to an organization like the ACLU. I mean, they don't have the resources to go and uh, canvas the roads that are uh, all around the border to find out where these things are, when they're operating, and that sort of thing. So it's all incumbent upon you, who the, the victims who are being harassed by these Border Patrol people, to let somebody know about it. And I can tell you that you shouldn't go through what this one guy did, Mr. Peppard. Don't let the Border Patrol know. There's no point in complaining to the Border Patrol. Hey, you guys, I don't appreciate what you did back there. You called my Syrian wife, or my American wife yeah. a Syrian. Yeah, I, I, I don't think that's going to really get you anywhere. And as he pointed out, it may just get you on some sort of no-fly list because you're sticking your head above the water and... Asking the federal government to change, asking them to stop uh, being a police state. I, I guess it doesn't hurt to ask, but I, I would say keep your time and go invest it and do something else with your time rather than trying to to navigate the uh, you know the, the the swamp or the morass of the federal bureaucracy, trying to actually figure out how to number unless one even to. file the complaint. Uh, yeah, unless you're just a, a you know you just you're a masochist, 
you, you like well, you know, subjecting I, yourself to torture. I, I might very well find myself, you know, in that situation and, and you know, want to go after the, the Border Patrol themselves, you know, file a complaint and all that stuff. And you, you wouldn't find out that the Freedom of Information Act uh, wasn't being used if no one asked for some information. So you have so people have to uh, you know go and say tr- complain and then find out what the process you know how it is that they go about uh, handling complaints because chances are they're very very bad at handling them. Have you encountered one of these internal checkpoints? Do you want to share your story? The toll free number here is eight hundred two five nine ninety two thirty one. That is the SACL CAI toll free line. So we know they're going on. Uh, along the southern border, within 100 miles, we know they're going on on the northern border. I don't know if I've heard of anything as far as the eastern or western sides of the United States. Haven't heard anything about Alaska or Hawaii or anything like that. Uh, but but the zone is there, and these are the this is the government's own rules that says that the border patrol can operate in whatever capacity they want as far as harassing people within that 100 mile zone. So think about that. And think about what that could mean if they decide that, well, for whatever arbitrary reason, they believe there's an immigration problem where you live. If you live in uh, South Carolina or Georgia or Texas or any other uh, state that's allegedly a border state, and they just decide to start setting up checkpoints maybe near your neighborhood, how would you feel about that? It's Free Talk Live. This is Free Talk Live. It is your show, and you can bring up anything. Just dial the toll-free number, 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line, and it's Ian here with you. And Mark. You can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. All the features on the site, they're totally free, so enjoy those on us. Again, freetalklive.com. And if you like the show and want to help support Free Talk Live, we need you to vote for us. In the Podcast Awards, this is a yearly voting contest that goes on over at podcastawards.com. And we have had the great honor of being included, and not only just included, but actually winning the last three podcast awards. We were nominated by our listeners, and then our listeners went and voted for us, and we won three years in a row. So we're hoping you'll help make this the fourth. Yep. Please head over to podcastawards.com, scroll down to the political category. It is the third one from the bottom on the right-hand side. Vote for Free Talk Live. All you need to do is enter your name and email address below that. Uh, choose uh, whether you're a podcaster or just a listener, and click Submit. They might send you a verification email. In fact, odds are pretty good they will, just to make sure that you're a real person. But you may vote once every 24 hours. You can vote today, tomorrow, the next day, all the way through November 6th. So still well over a week to go in the voting contest. We obviously have no idea how well we are doing. There's no way we'll be able to tell that. So we've got to push as hard as we can here uh, over the next week or so as the votes continue to be tabulated. So please head over to podcastawards.com and cast your vote for Free Talk Live in the political category. We would much appreciate that. Let's go to your phone calls. Chris is on the line in Pennsylvania. You are on Free Talk Live. Hello, Chris. Hi, uh, I just heard what you guys were saying about the uh, immigration checkpoints, and uh, yes, sir. I, I don't, I don't really see the problem in that. You don't see the problem in what? Uh, them having the checkpoints and checking people in it. You, I mean, they're you, trying to cut down on immigration and stuff. Well, so I understand why, what they're why trying is to. There a problem with that. I, I got, I got what you're coming from on that. I mean, they're they're trying to get rid of illegal immigration, but this is how our freedoms disappear. Do you see a problem with the war on drugs? Uh, yeah. Okay. Well, no, not really. You don't see a problem with the war on drugs, and you don't see a problem with immigration. No. Okay, you don't think that maybe our Fourth Amendment right to be secure in our persons, papers, and effects, and uh, houses might have been diminished somewhat by the war on drugs that's existed for the last 40 years? No, not really. You don't think I mean, that... I, I mean, they're trying to... 
Well, I understand what they're trying to wait, 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 wait. I understand what they're trying to do. And the ends don't justify the means. So let's not talk about the ends. Let's talk about the means. Do you think and you think that a police officer stopping me and, um, you know, looking through my car while he checks to see, I don't know, whether my license is good or whether uh, I'm a illegal alien or something like that. You don't think that's a violation of my privacy? You don't think that, uh, you know, what if I have uh, a joint sitting on my, uh, you know, dashboard or something? like that well uh in our laws it says that we're not allowed to do that so yeah, but if, if they okay, can see that our then, laws our laws were passed by a bunch of people um who aren't you and aren't me so they're not our laws they're, it, they're their laws they're their laws that they are enforcing on me and but, enforcing on well, now, you now mark they could be chris's laws if he wants them to be right he's he welcome to, to, have to them. abide by those laws but there's somebody else's laws that they're enforcing on on me so they're not my laws so chris i'm curious to, to say that that's you know okay because somebody else said it was i couldn't possess a plant seems wrong to me since you seem to be somebody who's in favor of uh, restricting people's freedom i'm just wondering how you would feel if they decided where, where is it that you live uh, Pennsylvania. Live in Pennsylvania. Okay. Uh, you know, according to the the map, there's a good. Ch- I think there's a pretty good chunk of Pennsylvania that is actually in this 100 mile constitution free zone that we were talking about a few moments ago. So let's say that you happen to live in uh, in an area of Pennsylvania in which uh, the federal government border patrol decides they need to set up some checkpoints. And they happen to set one up right out in front of the, the area that you live in, to the point where you can't get out in the morning to go to work or school or wherever it is you want to go without going through the federal government's uh, citizens, citizenship checkpoint. And they're going to check you out every single day just to make sure your paperwork is up to date, make sure your license is still current. Adds uh, 20 minutes to your commute both ways, from and to work. Right. Not, not that you're spending 20 minutes with them, but it takes time because they have to process through every check, single car. they got to check everybody to make sure they're not illegal immigrants. Right. So how do you feel? about that well if it's protecting me and my country then oh come I don't on are you for real come on man are you serious jeez yeah i'm serious um they're not protecting what are they protecting you from if some uh, guy sneaks across the border they're, they're to wash your dishes me and my economy instead of my money no they're not protecting your, not your damn they're money man they're, they're, for this country look, Chris, if it's going to canada or down to mexico then what's that doing for me it, uh, <laughs> Look, it, I'll tell you what it's doing for you. Um, when you go to a restaurant and that restaurant has uh, somebody, somebody who's willing to work for less uh, washing dishes, it costs you less. Well, when you, when you, go play, yeah. when you buy a house and uh, people that are willing to work for less worked on that house, it costs you less. That's what it does for you and that's what it does for me. And, I'll tell and you, I, as a free American, I want to have that. That's how it's, no, it doesn't take any money out of any economies. It's a global economy. The money floats around. It comes you, oh, Chris, 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 Chris. Whatever it is that you do for a living, uh, Chris, Chris, whatever it is you do for a living, if I decided to do that for a dollar an hour less, am I somehow a bad person because I'm I'm now taking money out of the economy? No, you were born on the right plot of land, Mark. Right. I mean, it's ludicrous. Yeah, it really is. Hey, Chris, um, are you for real? Really? Do you really believe the way uh, you're, you're advocating here tonight or are you just cranking us? No, I, I really do. Okay. So, so you are a total supporter of the police state. Whatever it is the police state does, as long as they're claiming to do it and in your benefit, whether or not you actually benefit uh, is another question. You are in favor of it. Well, I already pretty much do that because I, I work for the government. Anyway, oh, yeah? What, what do you I do? Mean, yeah, I do. What, what do you do? Uh, I'm, in the, I'm in the military. Okay. So what are you doing in the military? Uh, I actually just signed up. I'm on a truck driver right now. 
Gotcha. So, uh, so let me let me address something real quick here. The suggestion that this is somehow good for the economy to have uh, checkpoints, random checkpoints, all about the place. Uh, you well, do understand, not all about Chris? The place, though. You're oh well, yes, they are. No, they're they're not where you are, Chris, and yeah. that's just okay because it's affecting right. someone else. Right, it's affecting people on the southern and northern borders. As long as you don't borders. have to pay more for things because of illegal aliens, and as long oh, but as he does. you can't, um, as long as you can employ people that are illegal aliens, it's fine and dandy. As long as laws affect other people, it's a okay with Chris. I think that I mean, what no, Chris, I'm not, saying, I'm not saying that we all, we each have uh, equal rights, you know. And if they mm. and if they have a problem with that, unless the government decides to take those rights out of that area to go to another spot. Do you think, Chris, right, I I understand that I'm free as long as I'm free to leave. Do you think that I um, have, that's what freedom is, really, the the, the right to get the hell out if you don't agree with the people who are in charge. Um, That's freedom, isn't it? I mean, that's what you're fighting for in the military, the right to preserve my right to get the the hell out of this nation as long as I don't agree with the people who are in charge, right? Right, you can move somewhere, Mark, where they don't have checkpoints until the checkpoints come to where you are, and then where are you going to move to after that? Try this definition of uh, of freedom, Chris. Freedom is the right to do what you want as long as you don't hurt other people. Yeah. That. Well, I, but I can't do what I want as long as I don't hurt other people, Chris, because there's people in the government that will come after me and hurt me if I do those things. You know, Chris, you're a member of the – if you're really a member of the military, then uh, you might be aware of the fact that some of the members of the Army have been positioned now within the United States. Uh, they're going to be doing their uh, – whatever their tour of duty is right here in uh, good old U.S. of A. And that means they're going to be patrolling streets. They're going to be doing disaster area kind of uh, missions where they might be going around confiscating guns from people, as we've seen the National Guard do in the past. Uh, they may be actually setting up the roadblocks. Eventually, we might see more of kind of a military police state that, rising that. The here. The National Guard already does that. The National Guard does, uh, correct. They have confiscated people's guns. So I'm wondering if you, as a member of the military, receive an order to enter into, let's say, oh, Defiance, Ohio, and uh, start confiscating going house to house confiscating people's guns will you go ahead and follow that order if there's probable cause then uh i well, mean what's, what's no, what hold on probably immigrant that was drunk driving and just killed somebody i'm not sure what that's re- how that's relevant to my question no, how you're confiscating you determine- guns here Chris. because we're blocking the borders from these illegal immigrants coming in chris we'll talk about illegal immigrants in a Some second other time. he's he uh, asked you he asked you a question about um uh, about okay. gun confiscation you said are you was- willing to confiscate guns from americans if you're given that order uh, no, because I'm supposed to defend the Constitution. So, so you're in telling the Constitution we have the right great. to bear arms. Now, um, so you're bearing arms to defend the Constitution. If you find some other members of your uh, military squad that are willing to do that, because they have been doing that, in, they did it in Kansas, they did it in mm-hmm. New Orleans, they've done it uh, during natural disasters here in the United States. If you see them, will you stop them? Uh, I'd probably report it to my superiors. But, but your superior, superior gave, gave the, order. the order, Chris. Excuse me? Your, your superior, superior gave the order. To yeah, confiscate but I, guns. I, I can go above him if it's probably he got cost. the order like, from above. Oh, man, do you think that they were? You think that the National Guard went into um, uh, Louisiana and confiscated guns from Americans, and on a whim, the, and the army <laughs> didn't know about it? That the president probably, didn't they know about had it? Had justification for it? I'm sure they were probably justification. Army, now. Uh, there's no. always they a justification. Were, they might not even had. The uh, American rights. The justification. What if they were illegal immigrants? <laughs> wow, this is in amazing. In Louisiana, people in their homes 
Yeah, I, Louis, yeah, this is amazing. There, there, uh, there's lots of them everywhere. Chris, thanks for the call tonight. They're coming I, to get I us. I've got to give up on you for now, but <laughs> call us again sometime. 800-259-9231. I don't that's think... That's the mentality yeah, that they take there. And I don't think... That's that, what they want in the Army, at least. I don't think I trust old Chris to uh, defend the Second Amendment or defend any of the, the Constitution. He's already thrown it all out the window. More on the way. You can take control. Hour 2 is coming up. Free Talk Live. This program is brought to you by Freekeen.com. Freekeen.com features audio, video, and blogs chronicling the transition to a voluntary society. Freekeen.com also has comments and discussion forums so you can be heard. Freekeen.com. This is Free Talk Live. It is your show. You can bring up anything. Just dial toll-free to 1-800-259-9231, the SACL CAI toll-free line. As we launch here in hour number two of the program, it is Ian here with you. And Mark. 800-259-9231. You can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. All the features are free. Those other talk show hosts, they want to charge you for accessing their websites. We give ours away, so enjoy it on us at freetalklive.com. As we go to your phone calls, Philip is on the line listening to KTAE in Texas. Hello, Philip. Evening, gentlemen. How are y'all? Appreciate the show. Good to have you here, Philip. What's on your mind tonight? Uh, real, real quick comment before I get to my topic. Uh, during the news break, there it mentioned Obama's 30-minute infomercial last night. Since he's for redistributing the wealth, and he's got four to five times the amount McCain does, let's just go ahead and let him give McCain uh, enough to equal him up, so it's a fair race. You know, that, that we could start redistributing the wealth right now. There you go. That's not what I call for. I called about the gun confiscation. But uh, actually, he would have to uh, redistribute amongst all the people that are running for president uh, everywhere. Yeah, Not even true. just the other parties, but, I mean, there's there's hundreds of people likely running for... Uh, well, I mean, his argument is, you know, the rich make too much money and we got to give it to somebody else. So let's, let's, right. let's just, uh, you know, put the shoe on. If it fits, it fits. Right. Like I'm, just, I'm just trying to make it fair. Everybody, you know, uh, Obama should have to spread it out amongst all the candidates, not just McCain. I'd like to well, point out that, that, that John I'm, McCain I'm is... One of right, thank you for that. I, cause I'm before a, I'm you go on, though, I'd like to point out. I'm glad you said you're not going to vote for either one because I'd like to point out that uh, you know d- nobody's talking about how John McCain is a, you know as much of a socialist as Barack Obama. Barack Obama gets all the press about Nearly. it. John, you know, John McCain's in the same damn camp. It's just nobody's talking about that. But then again, it seems like nobody's talking about John McCain. Period. I mean, I drive around here in Keene, New Hampshire. I don't see a single John McCain sign. They're out there, not in yeah, anybody's yard. It, this is about a lousy selection. I'm 48 years old. This is the worst one I've seen so far. It's just going to keep a, getting I'm a worse. I'm working police officer here in Central Texas. Okay. And the reason that I called uh, that gentleman you were just talking to, uh, he doesn't need to be wearing the, the uniform. That's for sure. The the uh, guy just for people just tuning in, we had a, a lengthy conversation with somebody who claimed to be in the military, who was talking about the Constitution, about how he wanted to defend it, but at the same time saying that he would confiscate guns from people, and he was uh, all in favor of random police searches and checkpoints and all kinds of very unfree sounding activities. Yeah, it it, it uh, it's really crazy, and this is I'm talking firsthand, you know, my my butt in the seat deal here. When Katrina happened, they were asking for you know uh, help from all over the United States, mm-hmm. and uh, I had a, a fellow officer from a different department, uh, two counties south of me, uh, call me up and say, "Hey, let's go on down there." He said, "I got a week off. My boss gave me a week off." He said, uh, "We're they're they're confiscating guns," and he said that uh, from what he talked to about a buddy of his was already down there, they were getting to keep what they confiscated. In other words, they weren't turning them into a wow. central distribution place. If they took it, they got to keep it. Hmm. And of course, I turned him down and didn't go. But uh, 
I've, I've been doing this like you guys. I had a talk show back in the mid-90s and uh, talked about everything under the sun before I decided to go to the police academy and actually, you know, find out for myself what's going on. Hmm. The sad fact is that 99% of the people will go door-to-door and will take your guns because they have the badge and they have the power and you're going to do what I tell you to do. Yeah. Right. Even if they don't want to, they don't want to lose their paycheck, so they'll probably go ahead and follow the orders anyway, even if they it's don't. Not, it's not even that, guys. It, it's a mentality of who's um, – the old school police officer, peace, peace officers, I call myself. I'm not a, I'm not a policeman or a police officer. Mm. I am a policeman, but it's, I call myself a peace officer because I got in there with the idea that I could help good people and get bad people off the street, and it's just the opposite. You you know you get a bad person and all you can do is get them help and the good people get nothing and it, it it's totally and completely backwards and uh, I was talking to a guy back in 1996 in the San Antonio Gun Show who was a second lieutenant in the Army Reserve and uh, he told me he said look they won't have to worry about you know the local people when the order comes down and goes to go door to door and take guns. The guys that don't do it, they're going to get put in a cage like everybody else. Mm. And they'll just bring in somebody from a different state who don't care who you are, where you're from, and they're going to do it anyway. Uh, it, this wow. is a done deal. I mean, if, if people don't want to set up and fight uh, for what we should have been fighting for all along, you know, which makes your show what it is and other shows like yours what it is and makes my job really difficult because they want me to write tickets and throw people in jail for, you know, half a joint or this, that, and the other. Are you still on this uh, the, the force? Uh, no, sir. I think we've talked to you in the in the past. Have you called this show before? At one time, about four months ago. Yeah, I remember. It's been a while, and uh, I think you had told us at the time. Let me see if I'm recalling you correctly. You had told us at the I time. I love it when pro-Liberty cops call. Yeah, well, the problem is he's not a cop anymore, and this is what we've seen over and over again is we've talked to uh, several people who've been kind of in a similar situation as you. They got into uh, the policing world because they thought they were going to be able to make a difference. They thought that uh, they were going to put the bad guys behind bars. They thought that you know they're going to help people, and then they ended up finding out that the administrators are corrupt, their coworkers are corrupt, that uh, the entire system is, as you say, you just it. completely reversed from what you expected it to be. And, you know, even then they might have still thought to themselves, well, I can change it. If I'm working hard enough from the, from the inside, I can change it. Maybe I can expose these guys. But they're so dug in. They're so powerful in their positions that they're in. You can't touch these dudes. So you yeah, actually ended up bailing out, right? Niagara Falls, guys. It's say just again. how bad it is. I mean, I really don't. I can't, I can't put in words and tell y'all and tell the audience how bad it really is. I mean, there are people coming out of the police academies now. And the sad thing is a lot of them are military, have been overseas. Yeah. They get this, you know, if you're not one of us, you're dog crap. And right. you don't count. And they don't care whether you're American civilian, Iraqi civilian, you know, Afghani civilian or whatever. They have this built-in mentality. If you're not part of my little group, you don't count. The thin blue line. Gotta... It's like playing a video game. There's there's no emotion to it anymore. And they're bringing that to the streets. And it. I had enough, and then we got crossways with my boss, and he cut me loose, and uh, mm. I'm fighting him in court, and it's a whole big stinking mess. But, you know, I, people like myself are very few and far between. Oh, I yeah. I can tell you that for a fact. <laughs> I did it for 10 solid years. It's absolutely and, uh, true. December 29th was my last day. You know, it's it's really scary, uh, you know, the way that uh, police departments seem to recruit, uh, you know, the, the military because, you know, when a guy's coming out of the military, especially fresh out of the military, he's used to taking orders. He's not used to operating under, uh, you know, the Constitution, certainly in the same manner. War isn't fought the same war, um, way that uh, 
police work is done. And, you know, police police work in and of itself has grown to be too uh, onerous in, in this country. But even so, uh, it, it seems like it would be very easy to transition from um, the war situation where you're using, you know, this this rule, you know, this standard operating procedure to taking that standard operating procedure and essentially, essentially applying it to uh, your job as, as a, a law enforcement officer. Uh, the, the attitude of that last caller was what prompted me to call. That's the mentality. If the order comes down from above, this crap about going around your boss's head to the higher-ups, that's where the order came from in the first place. Yeah, of so course. That, that is the mentality that I'm running into. We had a first sergeant uh, not too long ago at a gun show in Austin, Texas. I was down visiting some friends. Stood right there in front of the table and told myself and two other veterans that if the order came down, he said, Sir, I will shoot you where you stand. To, if the, the order was to shoot you, you mean? No, it, no. If we came to, if the order, if the order came down for them to go door to door confiscating guns, and I refused to give my gun up, I'm sorry, I didn't clarify what I was trying to say. Ask this guy point blank to his face. So you're giving the order, uh, Sarge, and you have to come get my guns. What if I say no? I'm not giving them to you. He says, Shoot on sight. That is out of that is control. An absolute quote. Wow. Well, you know, people it's... don't realize how bad it really is out there. That is bad. It's a vicious, vicious circle. Right, now, not only, show, not only guys, is that... I'll let you get on and hey, somebody else on. Let me get some more comments. Philip, great call, man. And I hope you look into the Free State Project and consider coming up here to New Hampshire. We need more people with uh, experience and expertise like you and would love to have you up here. Thank you, sir. Appreciate hearing from you at 800-259-9231. Not only is that bad, is it that bad from sort of a, a mental perspective, looking at the mentality of the people in the military and the, and the police. Yes, there are exceptions, people like Philip and, you know, some, uh, some other good folks out there but there seems like they're in the minority uh so not only is that that bad mentally but it's also that bad as far as the political situation i mean we talked about the 100 mile constitution free zone that seems to be in place in this country the random checkpoints that are already being put out there the permanent checkpoint installations that are out there we've talked about this stuff there's uh, there was a story out of in indianapolis a year ago about how the tsa set up a checkpoint at some bus stops we've we've heard more about bus sort of related security and and travel related uh, interference in our lives and so, really, how far are we away in this country from having a total police state clampdown, total martial law in America? I mean, it sounds like hyperbole to talk about it because we're, most of us are able to travel about as we need to to do our daily uh, tasks. But how long? How it wouldn't be hard for them to change that, and it wouldn't take them long to do so. More on the way. It's Free Talk Live. This is Free Talk Live. You can bring up whatever you want if you dial toll-free 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line, and it's Ian here with you. And Mark. Join us online at freetalklive.com. All the uh, features on the website, they are free, so enjoy those on us. And they include the wiki, over 1,800 pages created by listeners like you. Like the list, it, it is like the listener-editable version of our website. Head over to wiki.freetalklive.com. Get interactive for free. Wiki, W-I-K-I dot freetalklive.com. Over 35% of IT admins admit to snooping through their boss's email. 
Shouldn't your business be secure? PrivacyHarbor.com is an email alternative that's private and confidential. Guaranteed. PrivacyHarbor.com because normal email is not secure. And you can go get a uh, free ac- free account at uh, PrivacyHarbor.com and try out the service. And if you like it, you can upgrade the account or you can keep the free one. It just uh, it, it goes on inevitably. PrivacyHarbor.com. Toll free, 800-259-9231. Coming up, uh, we're going to get to your phone calls right now, but uh, also on the way, we'll tell you about what the U.K. police have asked. Added to their repertoire as far as increasing the police state is concerned. Uh, the uh, U.S. government bureaucrats will be salivating over this one. We'll see how long it takes to get here to the shores of uh, the United States. But first, we go to Tom in New Hampshire. You are on Free Talk Live. Hello, Tom. Yeah. How did you guys land Medicare as a sponsor? I heard their ad while I was listening over the phone during the 8 o'clock break. I, you know, um, it's likely what it was is uh, different. Uh, you know, the, the the news service likely um, that was there. Was it during the news break? Yeah, it was, it was probably yeah. during the yeah. news oh. break. Oh, okay. I was wondering how, how you guys would. Well, I wouldn't even call why them. Why you? Well, anyway, uh, how's this sound for an excuse? Okay, you're driving down the road and you got to pass somebody, and when you get over to the top of the hill, there's oncoming traffic. And they crash into you, Ooh. and you use the excuse that you couldn't see them coming. How were you supposed to know there was oncoming traffic when you went to pass this person? You can't see through the hill. You can't see around the curve like that. So, therefore, it wasn't your fault. What, what were you supposed <laughs> to do about it? That's a lousy excuse, Tom. Yeah, you know, and that's what telemarketers and door-to-door salespeople seem to have as their excuse in their head when they go ringing doorbells or ringing people's phones uh, who are night shift workers, see, I mean, you know that if you keep knocking on doors or keep uh, calling people up telemarketing, you know that some of them will mm-hmm. be night shift workers who are trying to sleep in the daytime. Sure. And some of the people just day shift workers who just happen to be in the middle of giving the baby a bath when the phone rings. Oh, who could it? Oh, it might be somebody about to buy my house. I better answer it before they buy another house. And it's a telemarketer. Okay, the fact that... Uh, they don't know that this is a bad time for you, is no excuse. Just like the excuse that they didn't know there was oncoming traffic. If you don't know that it's a good time to pass somebody on the highway, if you don't know that it's a good time to call somebody on the phone, then don't do it. And here's what Well, now, we hold on a second, this. Tom. I mean, as somebody who does uh, telemarketing for a living... You don't do the same sort of telemarketing as he's talking about. No. You, you call radio stations. They've hung their shingle out to do business. So, I mean, that's not, it's not the same thing. However, I will, I will say that if you get a telephone, you're bound to get calls that you don't want to get. And it's your responsibility as a telephone owner to protect yourself from, um, you know, the people that might call you and annoy you. You uh, could... Uh, and, you and here's how to do it. Okay. Here's how's how to that? do it. Okay. First of all, nobody ever buy anything from telemarketers, so that way they all go out of business. That's one way. Yeah, who is even, buying even that call, stuff? <laughs> even when they call and the timing happens to be good, remember, that's just random chance, just like throwing the dice and they just like passing somebody on a hill. Some Do they the make time, their money? I'd like to see a study point. of who it is that actually buys this stuff. I mean, is it right. only octogenarians that are Alzheimer's patients that are just getting sort of taken advantage of and taken for a ride by these people? Or are there people right. that are actually coherent that are purchasing whatever the hell it is these telemarketers are selling? I don't know, but always uh, yell at them or, or put them down and say, get a job, <laughs> or use certain vocabulary that I can't really use 
on your program here. Some but, people do you know, more creative things. They'll yeah, create characters. Uh, some people will create characters and sort of uh, play, ro- you know, play a role with the telemarketer and ask questions and just kind of cre- maybe act crazy, uh, and, which no, wouldn't be hard for you, have, Tom. You have three people. If you have three people at the house, you just hello, and they they go through it. Yeah, uh, I see, I see. I, then just hand the other the phone to the next one who just picks it up. And says, hello. And then, then they got to go through it all over again. Then they hand it to the next one. Uh, hello. And, 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 I would imagine that if somebody wanted to go look around the internet, they could probably find all kinds of suggestions and ideas as to how to handle telemarketers. Uh, in addition to probably some recorded calls of people who have actually put those ideas See, into practice. Now, and I'm of the fun. opinion that the uh, the telemarketers are doing a job, and I'm not going to go after anybody who uh, is doing a job. I'm as pleasant as I can be. I don't get them, by the way, because I have an unlisted telephone number. But you have to pay for that, right? What do you mean? You have to pay extra. Yes, per I month, have to right? pay extra to have an un- yeah. unlisted telephone number. You have to pay extra in order to have privacy in this world. This is true. That's I agree just with the you. way it goes. There's and also devices when... out there that one can buy that uh, will, um, you know, screw up the telemarketing uh, telephone te- telephony systems. You can just go on and, uh, you know, on the internet and find something like that. But I- I'm always nice to them because that's a it's a real live human being at the other side, and I know that they have a job that I don't want them to do with me. But I'm not willing to be uh, mean to them. I. I I would say that I'm kind of, I don't know if I'm nice, but I'm sort of, I'm curt. I'm nice and curt. Like, well, I want to get off the engage phone. them in conversation because, well, it's just going to keep on going and right. they're going to try to get you to buy whatever it is. Right. Thanks, running. but I'm not interested. Appreciate it. Bye. You know, that's bye. that sort of thing. Hey, thank you, Tom, for the call. Appreciate hearing from you. <laughs> he, just, he said bye. I don't know. Yeah, 800 259. 800 259 9231. That's the SACL CAI toll free line. Do you have a telemarketer story? Uh, how you handled a telemarketer? Maybe you had a little bit of fun with them. You want to share that with us? 800 259 9231. So, what I was going to say to Tom in, in regards to his accusations as far as do you have the time to talk to this person? And you made a good point, Mark. Uh, calling radio stations, they are sort of qualified prospects but that said when i am calling i don't know if it's a good time for them which is why you know the first question out of my mouth is do you have a moment uh always i mean as far as if you're going to be doing phone sales or any sort of uh sales where you're asking for somebody's time especially a decision maker it's always good to be very respectful of their time and if they know that you're respectful of their time they will be more than likely to uh, to grant you a little bit of theirs or they'll be more likely to grant you a little bit of theirs at least that's been my experience whereas if you get somebody on the phone and you start i'm here to sell you a newspaper subscription of blah 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 or whatever it is that the telemarketer has. i'm from the fraternal order police and we need some uh, donations you know how they do their thing they just kind of they They've got their script, and they spiel it out, and they they splatter it all over you. And if you didn't want it, then you want to hang up the phone or get angry or, like Tom was talking about, get very upset about it. I don't – telemarketers don't upset me, Mark. I'm like you. I understand they're people that have a job to do, and it's a, it's a nasty, nasty job, and I'm sure they get nasty people all day long. So if you're less than nasty to them, they probably appreciate it. Uh, but as far as if you're calling people for a living and you want to get them to respect what it is that's going to come out of your mouth – you need to ask them if they've, got the, if they've got the time to listen. And if they don't, then ask them when a better time is, and then let them schedule the next appointment for a phone call. That's the way I do things, and it works well for me. It, it, you know, that's, that's I don't know if you can apply it to telemarketing, though. I, I agree with you, um, and that's the way to do it. But you know, to, to, it, it's telemarketing in the sense – telemarketing is a bad term for what happens at home. Residential telemarketing or something like mm-hmm. that is different than uh, business telemarketing. Yeah. When I'm calling uh, people for, to, to sell ads – 
well, I may be talking to the business owner, I may be talking to the marketing person, I may be talking to a, a you know the advertising person or whatever, but that's their job to take my call. Mm-hmm. If it's the business owner, likely they don't feel like it's their job to take my call, but I have to provide them value, give them a, you know convince them true. it's a good idea, build yeah. the value of the show. Right. I, I don't ask the secretary if she has a moment. I want her to pass me on to who I want to talk to. Anyway, more on the way. You can take control, bring up anything. This is Free Talk Live. With your help, we can spread the message of liberty around the world. Consider becoming a Free Talk Live amplifier for just $3 a month now at amp.freetalklive.com. If you can't afford it, keep enjoying us for free. If you can spare the three, visit amp.freetalklive.com. This is Free Talk Live. It's your show, and you can bring up anything. Just dial toll-free 800-259-9231, the SACL CAI toll-free line. It is Ian here with you. And Mark. And you can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. All the features on the site we give away. So enjoy those on us. And the features include archives. If you've missed a moment of the show, just click and download it right there on the front page of the website, going back for an entire year, totally free, at freetalklive.com. And I want to tell you about the Free State Project. Mentioned it a little bit earlier this hour, and you'll hear us mention it a lot on this program because, well, we're both... Uh, now, Mark, I know you don't like the term members. Participants, is that the appropriate Signers. Term? We're both signers of the, but that doesn't make sense, Mark. I think they, their official term is participants within the Free State Project because we did participate. Uh, we moved to New Hampshire as part of the Free State Project a few years ago, a couple of years back actually at this point, and we were uh, what are considered early movers. And I think if you move now, you're still considered an early mover. When when will we decide? When will people decide to no longer be called early movers? At what point? I guess. But, well, before I, 20,000, I guess, I think is that reached? Pr- probably, uh, you know, when, when uh, the number of 1,000 is reached as far as movers go, I think there's likely 1,000 a, a uh, Free State Project signers here uh, now, here, here in the state. Right now already? There's 700, uh, there's 600, almost um, six, uh, 625 or something like that in the state currently. Seth Hipple has been doing a great job of uh, hunting down all those people that... Uh, have moved but haven't done anything as far as sign, uh, signing up. Um, haven't haven't signed up. I don't mean done anything. They haven't alerted that right. they have moved. You know, and, and that's not what you signed in the uh, in the statement of intent anyway. You didn't say I'm going to move and tell you I moved. That's You're right. just going to say say I'm I'm willing to move. So um, so we're talking about them down. we're talking about hundreds of people that have moved to New Hampshire in order to be activists for liberty. Some of them with some activism experience. Some of them never been activists before in their lives. But they're they're sick and tired of the direction the uh, this country is is going. They're sick and tired of the totalitarianism that the Republicans and Democrats are bringing upon us. Uh, they're tired of the checkpoints. They're tired of all the uh, the police state nonsense we were talking about earlier this hour. They're tired of the the tax burden. They're tired of the lack of freedom. And they want to do something about it. And they're sick and tired of uh, those of us who have activist experience. They're sick and tired of uh, striking out again and again where they live, where they're surrounded by a bunch of statists, where they're surrounded by people that don't get it, where they don't have hardly anybody that they can, uh, that they can relate to as far as the, the, on a basis of what they believe in. Whereas if you're up here in New Hampshire as part of the Free State Project, you are surrounded by people that think like you do, that also believe in liberty, that are also willing to do something about it, to put something on the line, to take a little bit of a risk, to get out there and get active, whether it be in the realm of politics or whether it be in the marketplace, whether it be doing uh, creating media, radio, television, and other things, uh, or whether it be just going out there and holding signs on the side of the road, whatever it is, running candidates doing uh, outreach, so many different activist opportunities here in New Hampshire, or just hanging out, socializing, and getting to know one another, which is why you should come out to the Liberty Forum 
to meet some of these folks, to meet some of the early movers, to meet some of the people that are going to be moving soon, to the, some of the people that are considering moving, and also get to kind of pal around with some uh, liberty-oriented luminaries like John Taylor Gatto or Richard Heller, David Berglund, Anthony Gregory, Will Buchanan. Some of these names, if you're in the liberty movement, might ring a bell. If not, come on up anyway and meet some of the great people that are going to be attending the Liberty Forum at freestateproject.org slash libertyforum. Free Talk Live is going to be broadcasting live the entire time. Well, not the entire time, but when we're live on our show, we'll be there at the Liberty Forum broadcasting. And looking forward to meeting you if you're going to be there. And if you want to get there and you want to save a little bit of money, use our discount code, 2009FTL. It's 2009FTL. That'll get you 10% off if you get uh, get signed up at freestateproject.org slash libertyforum. It's going to be a lot of fun. More speakers are going to be announced soon. I've heard rumor, Mark, that they're going to have a very, very big speaker at the Liberty Forum. Very big. big. Yes. How much bigger could one get? It than? is he he I think I can say he is big. I haven't heard this, and We're I really to, I resent I, that the uh, the people of the Free State Project might tell you nobody, your scrawny no, butt, no. and they haven't told. I'm, it I'm, wasn't the Free State Project people. It I'm wasn't I am right now. It wasn't the organizer. I don't even know if it's final. I don't know if it's confirmed, but I've heard it from a reliable source. And uh, I look forward to announcing that on the show if it does come to fruition. All right, 800-259-9231. That's our number. Hey, speaking of the police state, we've pointed out a number of times on this program how the U.K. police, uh, the U.K. government people are, you know, they're a little ways down the road to totalitarianism, a little more further down the road to totalitarianism than the uh, government people in, in America and this is yet another example of how they, you know, they're just down there a little bit ways. And, of course, the American government people are, are keeping an eye on the U.K. to see if they get away with this crap. And if they do, if the uh, U.K. citizens uh, actually put up with this nonsense, then you can expect this to come here to uh, the good old U.S. of A. sometime soon. Here's the story from The Guardian. Every police force in the U.K. is to be equipped with mobile fingerprint scanners, handheld devices that allow police to carry out identity checks on people in the street. The new technology, which ultimately may be able to receive pictures of suspects, is likely to be in widespread use within 18 months. Tens of thousands of sets of these devices, as compact as BlackBerry smartphones, are expected to be distributed. The police claim the scheme, called Project Midas, will transform the speed of criminal investigations. A similar, heavier machine has been tested during limited trials with motorway patrols. To address fears about mass surveillance and random searches, the police insist that fingerprints taken by the scanners will not be stored or added to databases. Rest easy, folks. These cops are looking out for your privacy. I'm sure that after these fingerprint scanners, you can trust the police to to really honor that promise. They're really going to stand by that. There's no way they would change the rules after the fact. There's no way that they would break their promise and start creating databases of people's fingerprints. No. (laughs) No. Well, wait a minute. Let's look at the history of government programs and how it is that they work. Hmm. Anybody got the original uh, copy of the Social Security card from back in the, I believe it was the 30s when that came out? Anybody got one of those handy? Want to take a look at that and see what it says? What's it say, Mark? Doesn't it say something to the effect that that number is only for the use by the Social Security Administration and shouldn't be used for any other uh, thing at all? Not for identification purposes. But wait a minute. They didn't stay true to that promise, did they? No, they didn't. In fact, they never do. Whenever a government program is proposed, uh, it may indeed be created as it was originally promised. 
But next year, those government bureaucrats want to have more power. They want to have more bureaucrats working underneath them. They want a bigger budget for their agency. So they need to justify all these uh, these demands and these so-called needs. And so they come up with reasons why it's necessary that they have their budget expanded and their power expanded and, and, and their uh, staffing expanded. And nine, nine times out of ten, the uh, various legislatures will grant them whatever it is that they're looking for. They get their expansion, and nothing can really be done about it. Nobody can be held accountable for it. So if the police are saying right now, well, don't worry about it, folks. We're not going to be taking your fingerprints and storing them. We won't add them to any databases. Well, if two years later, they all of a sudden start adding things to databases, or we find out that they always were, what are you going to do about it? I can hardly imagine that they're taking computerized information like a fingerprint. I mean, I I assume this is a scan of some sort, right? This isn't a fingerprint scanner. This is a digital device like a BlackBerry. And this isn't getting stored anywhere. So they're only going to use it to check against whether or not you've got a warrant or something like that, and then and then what? Then they're just going to delete just it? wipe it out. We're just going to keep it. No records whatsoever. Trust us. I mean, really, it's, it's the stupidest thing anyone's ever asked me to believe. Well, maybe not entirely. According to the story here at The Guardian, damn dumb. the civil rights group over in the U.K. called Liberty cautioned that the law required fingerprints taken in such circumstances to be, to be deleted after use. Garrett Crossman... Liberty's policy director said saving time with new technology could help police performance, but officers must make absolutely certain that they take fingerprints only when they suspect an individual of an offense and can't establish his identity. Now, wait a minute. Now, let's just think about this for a moment. With a tool like this. Right. And, uh, you see, this is this is um, that just that statement. There's ludicrous because, you know, if a cop wants to bother you, it's like, come here, kid. Put your finger on here. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, it's it's this yes, whole. Sir, officer. It, it just gives them. It, <laughs> they want to charge someone, which means that they haven't charged them, so they are free to do whatever they wish. They are a free mm-hmm. citizen at that point, and they wish to be able to confirm their identity. So why? What's to stop any cop from just being on the corner and wanting to establish the identity of everybody around him? That's of course what they're going to want to do, and that's why I'm saying that you can expect this to come here to America within, you know, a short amount of time. And look for the border patrol to be wanting these things for their little random checkpoints. Are you a citizen? Put your finger right here, sucker. Uh, William Grigg has been uh, confirmed for the Liberty Forum uh, today. Ooh, that's a big one. Yeah, that's a big one. I like William. It's Grigg. not the big, big one that you were no, talking no, about. No, more on the way. This as big is as it gets. Free comes. talk live. This is Free Talk Live. You can bring up anything if you dial toll-free, 800-259-9231. That is the SACL CAI toll-free line, and it's Ian here with you. And Mark. You can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. All the features on the site, they're completely free, so enjoy those on us. And those features include the bulletin board system with over 400,000 posts. There's an awful lot to talk about there, and it's all free at bbs.freetalklive.com. Dot com. You like the show? You want to help support Free Talk Live? Shop with us at Amazon.FreeTalkLive.com. Enter Amazon through that link, and Free Talk Live will get a percentage of your purchase. Whatever it is that you need, you can buy at Amazon. I mean it. There are over 41 categories in which to shop used items, even. So you need to save a few extra bucks. As though Amazon's new prices aren't cheap enough, save a few more bucks, buy used, and Free Talk Live will still get a percentage if you enter through Amazon.FreeTalkLive.com. As we go to your phone calls here and talk to Jeff in New Jersey on the amp line. Hello, Jeff. Hey. What's uh, on your mind, Jeff? Last night, Mark kind of made fun of me for accusing me of a speech impediment, but it's not true. He did? I I don't recall this. What? 
What's that? I, I, I try very hard not to accuse people of those things. What, what are you talking about? I don't recall uh, that. Okay. Okay, whatever. So anyways, uh, I'm actually a week behind on the podcast because uh, I've told you before my wife hates your show. And, uh, oh, dear. She made me go. She made me go on a one-week hiatus as a kind of a Test. her version of a rehab. Okay. <laughs> but, uh, anyways. Did you so, have any withdrawals? I did. Actually, did. Uh, I sat at work at my computer. I didn't know what to do. So what does she, feel, what does she feel the adverse effects of you listening to Free Talk Live are, that you spout off Liberty stuff too often and that she can't talk to you about normal things without you, uh, you know, yes. interjecting? And, <laughs> and she blames it on you, although it actually started with Dan Carlin. But, you know, uh, the whole free market thing came in when I started listening to you guys, and that's when she got defensive. Mm. Um, but whatever. Can't so, have any of that anyways, freedom about, stuff. Yeah, that doggone freedom and liberty. Yeah. Who knows what to do with it? And about a week ago, Mark accused you, Ian, of being an intro or a hermit. No, 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 no. Yeah. That's not what happened. I didn't okay. use that terminology. He used to accuse me of that, but he has not accused I, me I of that in a long time. I understand that, but the conversation kind of. Mark said, "Okay, you've made progress. Whatever. Uh, blah blah blah." And I am coming at it from kind of the opposite angle, where I used to be more like what Mark would describe as a healthy individual, and I've kind of become what Mark would describe as an Ian or an unhealthy individual, in that uh, I used to be just, you know, like, man, we can talk about whatever, and now I find myself more and more disgusted by the... Uh, seemingly un, un, uh, things that people don't think about before they say it kind of comments that they make in normal conversation, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, you know, I know what you're talking about, um, and it's, it's essentially happened to me from being on the show. It's very difficult to do an 18-hour show on freedom and liberty and for that, <clears throat> excuse me, not to wash, uh, you know, into the rest of your life. And, you know, when I end up talking to, to normal folks and everyday folks, Sometimes I'll find myself in the situation where I'm essentially preaching because, to some extent, I preach 18 hours a week in the uh, Church of Liberty, um, preaching right. at them about, uh, you know, the things that have to do with people being free and the government and stuff like that. And well, it's important to you. I mean, it's one it of is the important, that... and that's and, and what I try to do is to separate, you know, the show the show from life and, because they didn't ask for it, they didn't tune in. Yeah. Uh, if if you tune okay. into free talk live that's what you're going to hear <laughs> but if they bring up an okay. issue and ask you how you feel then they did ask you yeah. for it right now i kind of have a a cop story that relates to this okay and in my opinion it has an unfortunate ending hmm. and as mark does i volunteer at my local volunteer fire department all right okay and so I was on a, a duty crew night where I go and sit around for six hours Work out. in case there's a call. <laughs> Eat a little <laughs> something. Cheap sodas. I used to I used to do that and then uh I stopped. <laughs> <laughs> but anyways, uh so we're sitting around there and shooting the S or whatever and mm-hmm. uh some guys started saying, uh, Oh, I can't believe all these these N words around here Oh my and and I'm I didn't want to make any waves, you know. So I I just kind of I didn't say anything. I sat there and 
was like, oh, ha-ha, you know, <laughs> just biding my time, basically, till I could leave. And there happened to be a police officer who is a member of this fire department, and uh, he was there as well. And I took very careful notice of his, his speech and his actions during this conversation, and I feel like uh, he 100% agreed with what they were saying, although he, I think it was a very deliberate and uh, premeditated move on his part that he never said the N-word, but he happens to be, and my town is about 15,000 people. Mm-hmm. Uh, Hello? He happens to be uh, a, uh, a police officer in the town that's stationed at a school as like the dare officer or whatever. Gotcha. And during this conversation, he says, uh, you know, I can't wait till one of them talks back to me so I can try oh, out my taser. Wow. And I'm thinking, oh, my God. Sick. So, like, you know, I just, I kept my cool. I just did my time. I, I left there that night, you know. Man. So I get the uh, the small town newspaper that comes out for free once a month to our oh, doorstep. No. And uh, I open it up. Sure and, enough, huh? uh, I, you know, I don't, I don't remember his name to call him out, mm-hmm. but, uh, you know, I don't really care if anybody wants to target me for this. If you look in the Riverside, New Jersey... Police Officer of the Year. That's this guy for 2007. You know. Oh, I thought you were going to tell me that uh, there, he, tased, tased there he was tasing somebody at school. Well, oh my gosh! It's. I think it's bad enough that he's the Police Officer of the Year. And those and are the things that are coming feels. out of his mouth. Yeah, you know, well, it's not a yeah. surprise. There's, uh, Mark, there's a lot of there's you spent a lot, a lot of, of time issues. around these guys when you were in prison. Right. And you can't draw any conclusions though. I mean, some guys are racist. Some guys are. But bigots, there are a some, lot of them out and, there. But what you're bringing up an interesting point. It's one thing if I'm a bigot. It's another thing entirely if a cop's a bigot because the cops have the power. You know, it's, right. it's it's one thing if I decide I don't want to let black people in my business, which by the way will cause me a great deal of um, legal problems. Right. In this world, I don't think that sh- should be so. I think you should be able to decide whom you want to do business with and, and for, by whatever criteria, criteria it is. The problem is, is when the government and the cop is a very forceful arm of the local government, the police officer Definitely. of the year, for God's sakes, it has these problems and these proclivities and they use, you know, and it, and it goes on in their, uh, it obviously affects their judgment. Right, right because they can they hurt people. They can hurt the people that they don't like and they can most of the time get away with hurting those people. It's so sad. I, yeah, you know, I, I don't want to cut you guys off, but I got to go. My, well, why don't you do that then? Thanks, Jeff, for the My wife caught me talking to you. <laughs> Uh-oh. Uh-oh. See you're you later. Now. Uh, you're on the couch tonight. All right, 800-259-9231. You know, what do you do in a situation like that, though? I mean, you're you're a member of the volunteer fire department. One of the other guys on there, he's the cop of the year, and he's a, he's a bigot. He's a racist. He's a sicko. How do you handle that situation? There's not a darn thing you can do in that in a situation like that because you know what it might turn out to be if you go and you file a complaint with the cops, it might turn out that the administrators there who gave that guy the uh, the award for best cop of the year, they might be as bigoted as he is. So you could go in, fill out a complaint form, nothing will ever happen as a result of it. As far as publicly, they might instead decide to target you and come after you extra more because you decided to go after them. There could be retaliation uh, that could. Could hurt you, could hurt your family, could could they could maybe trump up trump up some charges, plant some crack on you. They could do anything they want to. So I think that a situation like that, wherein if you found out that some sort of governmental 
agent, especially a cop, was a sicko or a sadist or a racist or something. I think that if you actually have activists backing you up, if you're, for instance, here in New Hampshire as part of the Free State Project, you could actually get somewhere by outing a cop like that. You could go on television and go on the radio and uh, put... Print news, uh, newspaper articles about that stuff, and if they did come after you, then at least you'd have people to back you up. But man, what do you do in a case like that? Well, what, the other question is, what do you do when you're caught when you're in one of these circumstances? This happens to lots of white people, um, where you know you're they start talking bigoted, uh, you know, racist stuff. What do you do? I, you know, I mean, different circumstances require different things. I, I I've been over know. at people's houses. What am I supposed to do? Scold Walk them out. at their house? Walk out? I've I, you know, and then it, it, it what they do. I they, don't appreciate that. What, what Goodbye. they do generally is they don't jump in right both feet into the racist conversation. They'll feel you out a yeah. little bit to see where, 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 yeah, just uh, kind of around the edges and that kind of thing. I don't. I, I I think that it's fine to make fun of differences in people. That's okay. I don't think it's fine to discriminate against people because of uh, you know something that they can't control uh, their, their their skin color or whatever. That doesn't seem fair. One eight hundred two five nine ninety two thirty one. What would you have done if? If you were in Jeff's position, if you were sitting there in that conversation, how would you have handled it? We'd love your thoughts. Hour 3 is coming up. This is Free Talk Live. This November, support the real libertarian. Support George Phillies for president. George wants Uncle Sam out of your wallet, bedroom, and gun locker. This November, send Henry Paulson and those congressional bailout crooks a message. Vote libertarian. In New Hampshire, vote Phillies for president. Donate at ChooseGeorge.org. That's ChooseGeorge.org. Paid for by Phillies 2008. This is George Phillies, Libertarian for President. I approved of this message. This is Free Talk Live. We are launching into hour number three of the program. You can take control of the airwaves. Just dial the toll-free number at 800-259-9231. That is the SACL CAI toll-free line, and it's Ian here with you. And Mark. You can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. All the features on the site we give away, so enjoy those on us. Again, that is freetalklive.com. I suppose we can talk about homeschooling here, Mark. I've actually had an email sitting in my box, burning it up for a while. It's a really well-written, detailed article about the the world and the realm of the homeschoolers. For those out there who, for whatever reason, believe that homeschooling is just somehow inferior to the government school or even the private school system. Uh, We'll get into that email here in a moment, but there is a a phone call rolling in. This show is about your calls. So we go to Ken in Pennsylvania. Ken, you're on Free Talk Live. Ken, Pennsylvania. Uh, my name is Tim. Tim. Hey, Tim. Uh, what's on your mind tonight? I just got to mention that I have a roommate here. I've been running Pennsylvania, and he got a speeding ticket. Oh, you it. know what I'm going to do, Tim? I'm going to put you on hold. I'm sorry about that. Your cell phone is uh, in a, a bad cell. It could be VoIP or something. It could be VoIP. I don't know. Uh, I'm going to put you on hold, and I'll have our board op check back with you. We'll go through this uh, this email here, and we'll get back to Tim and find out if he sounds a little better. Eric emails. He says, guys, I've been listening to your show for a few weeks and become a big fan. From my past experiences, the majority of the good people with whom I'm acquainted would dearly love to inflict their views upon the rest of us. Some of their ideas are downright scary, no matter how benevolent their intentions might be. 
I listened intently to the conversation on Saturday, August 9th, when it turned to homeschooling, and as a stay-at-home homeschooling dad, I have to report that many nice folks have been forthcoming with all sorts of opinions concerning the improvement of the homeschool movement. In fact, if they had their way, I suspect our homeschooling environment would look and feel very much like the government school system I've tried very hard to avoid. When approached by friends and acquaintances with questions about homeschooling, it's difficult to respond for the simple matter that to praise the homeschooling method is to sully the good name of government schools where many of my friends house their children for a good portion of the year. Right. And, you know, people that don't spend nearly the amount of time thinking about their children's education as this gentleman does. But they'll still be insulted. Well, and this is it's sort of the uh, the culture of opinions. Um, I, You know, it, it, as far as a consumer goes, you should be able to have opinions about whatever products and services there are out there. And your opinion really counts. However, when it comes to sort of government, and this is the problem with government, people think their opinion counts. Screw you and your opinion about what I should be doing to educate my kid. Take your opinion, stick it in your butt. I don't care. Thanks. I appreciate the thought. I appreciate your opinion, but, yeah, but that, don't you know, force it on me. Well, that's the thing. That's you know. That's that's where it comes. You know, they they think that having an opinion means they get a vote. You know, I I, I vote for this and that in the school system. I don't know, man. That you even voting, you even suggesting these things, uh, really is it, it's it's a threat to my freedom. All right. Uh, being aware, uh, you know what? I'm going to interrupt this. We got Tim, uh, Tim back. We're going to try him again. Tim in Pennsylvania. Normally, I uh, don't want to interrupt an email, but this one's kind of lengthy. So, Tim, you're back. All righty. Am I clear now? Yes, sir. Go ahead. All righty. I was going to just mention real quick that my roommate got a speeding ticket just the other day. He was oh, dear. Going, he was going 67 and a 35 or something, and oh, he was not even aware that it was 35. Sure. He lived here for years. So uh, he's going he's gonna to fight it, thankfully. Um, he doesn't know about the show or anything. He's he's just uh, he's somebody who would not put up with that kind of crap. I think the fine was a hundred and sixty. I want to say cheap, really, for going and, sixty-seven and a thirty-five or something like that. That is cheap. Well, I mean, if he wants to fight it, uh, there's different ways that he can go about doing that. He can just sort of go the traditional way, play by the state's rules and hope that they uh, show him some mercy. Or if he wants to really take a risk uh, he and possibly maybe you know walk away a free man or end up in a cage, uh, he can go to adventuresinlegalland.com and learn about uh, Mark Stevens' approach of asking a bunch of questions that they don't want you to ask in the courtroom and essentially backing them into a corner where they'll either lash out at you and throw you in a cage or or they'll go ahead and just let you go, and you don't have to pay anything. So it's an interesting approach and one worth looking into if he's interested in sort of trying okay. something different. I've heard that when you go to the courtroom or whenever they set the date that's on the ticket and you uh, you go there and the policeman doesn't show up who gave you the ticket, that chances are if they don't show up that you just mention whatever. I, I'm not sure, and the judge will just – you know, you don't have to pay it. That's what I've heard. It's possible. Sure. Uh, I, be- I believe that used to be the truth down in Florida. But as we talked to Sam from the Obscure Truth Network last night, uh, he went down there and the cop didn't show up and the co- the courts were able to reschedule it. They apparently, down in Texas at least, have a one-time rescheduling rule. So if the cop doesn't show up, they can reschedule the trial to give him another chance to show up. And I'd like to also point out that in many places, the police that are showing up for trials are getting paid overtime in order to do so. So they have a tremendous incentive to show up. 
up. So to hope that he won't show up, it's a possibility that he won't, but his, he is very much so incentivized to be there. I think that it's good to go um, and uh, you know go to court at the very least. I went uh, in Massachusetts. They gave me a $270 fine for being 10 miles an hour over the limit or something like wow. that. And uh, I, I went just to, to sort of see how it was to kind of fight it. And I got scared at the sort of initial pre- preliminary hearing, but they offered me a half, um, you know, a half fine deal. I didn't want to take it all the way because I felt like, well, it could be worse. The fine could be larger, but I got to cut in half just by going there. So, would it be profitable if I took my camera with me when he went? It depends on what video? you. It depends on what kind of risks you want to take. I mean, if you're bringing a camera into a courtroom or attempting to bring a camera into the courtroom, they're probably going to tell you you can't. Uh, and then if you unless believe gonna, them, and unless you're going to do some kind of um, activism, uh, you know, like Ian and Sam, or you know, screw with them. Yeah, if the he's court. just going to throw himself upon the mercy of the court, there's no point in recording that. You have to have something there worth actually filming, and that would be, you know, okay. him doing something different, him asking uncomfortable questions, uh, a la AdventuresInLegalLand.com, or better yet, uh, in addition to Adventures in Legal Land, go visit our friend Sam over at ObscuredTruth.com. Watch the Court of Public Relations, and that might give you a few ideas as to some things to try out but you have to remember you're in a realm where they are completely in control and you've got no virtually nobody to back you up so you really have to kind of gauge what kind of risks you're willing to take because they these are men and women that are not they have no qualms about throwing you in a cage if they don't like what it is that you're doing so you have to be very careful uh in what you do up there and i think that this sort of activism is a lot more effective here in new hampshire where you actually have a bunch of activists backing you up but that said if you want to take those risks i I think it could be interesting. Okay. All right. Good luck, Tim. Will you let us know what happens if anything interesting at all happens? I will let you know. Thanks, yep. thanks, thanks. for the call tonight. Good luck. 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. So, reverting back to the uh, discussion about homeschooling, uh, we've got an email here from Eric. And he's got a, a friends and acquaintances, and they've got their questions about homeschooling. And he says it's, it's difficult to respond to them because if you praise homeschooling sort of by default, you're sullying the good name of the government schools. Because you know how parents are. They want to find the best school districts to move into for the government schools well, so they but, can feel good about the lousy government indoctrination and it, that their kids are getting. It's, and it's, there, there certainly are better government schools and worse government schools. I mean, there's no, no doubt. No doubt. However, ask those same parents, would you rather be sending your kid to a private school or a public school? And, you know, generally, you're going to get the answer, private school, because they know that the free market provides better education than the government does. So he says, being well aware of the politics of envy, I don't wish to start any movement against a good thing, so I just smile and listen attentively as the usual ghouls are trotted out in normal, parroted fashion, because you always hear the same old objections about homeschooling. Well, there are no socialization opportunities. How, what about the, the certified teachers? How do you learn anything? Well, well he's going to address the, some of this And stuff. here's the thing, is to assume that every child is going to learn in the same fashion is, well, myopic. And if you went to government school, that means short-sighted, dumbass. Um, hey, now. <laughs> that, that, hey, look. Look. If you want to tell me how to educate my kid, that's what you are. Sorry. Um, the, 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 these kids um, the, the, at the homes, in the homeschooling, they're learning how to learn. They're not learning how to sit there and be told what to do. That's what happens in government school. That's what happens, honestly, in, pri- in private school a great deal, too. And this is why I like homeschooling is because it prepares you for life. 
If I yeah. want to learn something now, who's going to teach me? Do I have to go to college to learn <laughs> something to, to get a degree in it? That's what they no. want you to believe. I can go learn about economics or history or whatever all on my own. But that and, and, uh, and homeschool kids are prepared for that. Me, with my public school education, not so much. More on the way. 800-259-9231. You're lucky if you can work a search engine, Mark. More coming up. You can bring up anything. This is Free Talk Live. This is Free Talk Live. It's your show, and you can bring up anything. Just dial the toll-free number, 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line, and it's Ian here with you. And Mark. And you can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. All the features are free, so enjoy those, including the Shrine of Female listeners. Dozens of ladies who've sent us their validated photo to prove they listen to the show. Head over to shrine.freetalklive.com and see what it's all about. That's shrine.freetalklive.com. If you want to easily update the look of those old cabinets or that old set of drawers, interknobs.com offers a wide variety of knobs and pulls for every taste and budget. Save 10% on your order by using code FTL at checkout. It's interknobs.com, I-N-T-E-R-K-N-O-B-S.com. See their banner at freetalklive.com. And if you know friends who are uh, you know, doing some remodeling or uh, you know, might need to get some knobs and pulls, let them know about Internobs because they can save money. Let them know about the code FTL because they'll save even more. Internobs.com. Can't beat that. 800-259-9231. We continue with the email here about homeschooling from a man that actually has some experience. He is uh, putting his kids through his homeschool. And, of course, inevitably he gets into conversations with friends and acquaintances, and they've got questions about homeschooling. They bring up the sort of the old, as he puts it, the old ghouls trotted out in normal, parroted fashion because there's just not a lot of good information out there getting to the general public about what homeschooling is and why it's so great. So let me allow Eric to share it with you. He points out that, interestingly, the government school crowd always prefaces their misgivings with the words, you know, your kids are great, and I'm not talking about them, however... Then they drone on about socialization and how they know some of some homeschooling family that possess some bizarre quirk considered outside of the social norm. Apparently, such personality quirks would be ironed out if the children were just to be subjected to the rigors of government schools where socialization works wonders. And if not, a good dose of Ritalin should do the trick. As a homeschooling parent, I'm well aware that my children need interaction, and I'm not alone, since many homeschooling newsletters, uh, the ones that he has, are brimming with events in an effort to get the kids together. People should also consider the right. idea. They, they don't have school all day in the same way that your kids do, so therefore they're able to go out and do things with other yep. um, homeschoolers. And to think that, uh, for instance, they wouldn't get a, maybe they wouldn't be as good at being in a you know one large building with two thousand people or something like that, but. Do do your kids get to talk to all those kids? No. no. I mean, you know, it's really like, no different click than off. a town. <laughs> when you're at a government school, you click off with uh, five or six people that uh, that you kind of get along with. And then, of course, the other cliques that don't like you, they have problems with you, and uh, conflict starts. And, ugh, and, and I'd like to know, what does government school prepare kids for in the sense of uh, segregating them by grade? Where does this happen after college? 
Um, where? And it really doesn't happen in college either. But where where does this happen after high school? Where do they get segregated by age? Where do they get segregated, um, you know, t- t- told to uh, sit down, shut up, don't, um, you're not allowed to get up unless you ask permission. You're not allowed to talk unless you raise your hand, you know, those, these kind of things. What, what, um, what are you, what is your child being prepared for with this kind of thing? How many business meetings have you been to, Mark, uh, when you were in sales, for instance, where you had to raise your hand to talk to the sales manager? I I think that you know the the hand raising because it's taught in government school kind of goes around and some people raise their hand as they're talking kind of thing yeah um you know like hi I'm I'm right. talking now right <laughs> I've seen that too and I'm I've certainly I'm certainly guilty of doing that I think I was doing it tonight at the uh, at the. Uh, the, the Cheshire TV board meeting that I was attending. But, yeah, it's always when you're beginning to speak to, like, hey, I'm over here. And, and sometimes I'm ra- and raising your hand, I'm not saying that you should never raise your hand. But I mean being sometimes, called on. I sometimes, mean, well, sometimes it's appropriate. In, in meeting situations, sometimes you can raise your hand so you can be the next one to talk or something, so you can indicate. Or if you're in a, you know, a large uh, group where some, like somebody's speaking and you want to ask questions, you need to be able to raise your hand so you get the microphone, things like that. It's not an entirely uh, you know, unuseful situation, but... You know, it generally in sales meetings, I pipe up and I say what I want. Right. And if if I've said something out of turn that might upset the boss or something like that, because I'm the best sales guy he's ever had on his crew, mm-hmm. he lets it go. People should also consider the idea, says Eric, that the interaction with other children and bureaucrats may not be the best form of socializing. My kids talk to many adults each day as well as children, so they act more adult. You know, we were actually uh, talking with one of Julia's friends, who will not name here, but uh, she's a younger lady, and I'd say she—I think she just turned 18 not too long ago. And it wasn't too long ago uh, that she was hanging out with only high school kids, and she recently. She's been spending more time with Julia and, of course, by proxy, me and you, Mark, at the, at the same time. And hanging out with adults has made her more of an adult-like person. In fact, to the point where recently someone who's still in high school came up to her and uh, made an offer to her to, you know, I guess that she wanted to hang out with her or something like that. And Chelsea was not really interested. She she saw this, uh, oops, she saw the young person as uh, as being uh, immature, immature and, and not and, fun and, to hang out and with. And high school-like. I guess it doesn't matter if I said who she was because no one knows her. But uh, she, she yeah, she had that kind of viewpoint of, oh gosh, I'm, I'm not sure that's going to happen kid. every time. Certainly not with every, um, every kid. But, you know, the people should be able to, um, you know, pick their friends and it shouldn't be based on age necessarily. That's all. So he goes on, he says, well-mannered, responsible children may not be the norm, but it might just be something toward which we as a society, a society should strive. I hear compliments about my kids whenever we go out to functions, parties, or appointments. Many small business owners with whom we frequent go out of their way to mention their positive experiences with the children of homeschooling families versus their government school counterparts. And I've experienced this in my life. Uh, there's a young man around here that is about seven or eight years old, and he's being raised by a couple of liberty-loving individuals, and they're homeschooling him. And he's the best-behaved little man that uh, that I've ever come across. I mean, young young boy that I've ever in- encountered. I mean, I'm blown away by how well-behaved he is. And uh, constantly, so, yeah, sort of mature. And I I I love that when I um you know, when you find you know young people that are polite and all that stuff. It's I think it's great personally. There are no downsides to homeschooling that comes to mind from the standpoint of the children. I realize I'm forgoing valuable time within the marketplace in order to hone my skills and become more productive. But we all make decisions based on what we believe to be best for not only ourselves but for our family. 
Besides, some of that lost money will be made up when my children get to skip several years of college. Last year, my oldest took the Iowa test for fourth grade. We gave him the test at the beginning of the school year since we have the option of doing so. That way, if any educational issues were to make themselves evident, we'd have the entire year to work on them. But as I am but a mere high school graduate, my college-degreed wife had to give the test. Uh, apparently, this particular test is more difficult to administer than all the other tests I oversee. <laughs> right. <laughs> Just sitting there. My son's. Per- I'm not taking the test. I'm administering it. My son's percentiles were as follows. Math, 99. Verbal, 96. Composite, 98. His worst areas were far above the fourth grade level, and his best area was word usage, revealing a college-level understanding. Due to his scores, he received an invitation to join the Duke University Talent Identification Program. This result is typical, I think. It's, it, I really, it's what I hear from homeschooling. It's typical. I'm sure you can find people that homeschool their kids and, and they're uh, you know, a bunch of uh, dirty, inbred uh, idiots. I don't know, but I, I personally haven't met any. I've heard people that say that they have. Fine. Um, you know, but if you're taking the norms, the norms are the kids are operating above their peers in uh, public school. I've met a lot of dirty idiots at government schools. You'll, you'll meet plenty of them. Uh, he says, I think within the homeschooling community due to the very favorable student-teacher ratio, one-to-one. Also, if my son, could be even two-to-one sometimes, both parents are home. Also, if my son has questions or rough patches, the usual pressures of unknown teachers and class belittlement are non-existent. My son can ask me anything since I have his best interests at heart. More on the way here about homeschooling or your thoughts on whatever you want. This is Free Talk Live. One of the bonuses you'll get as a Free Talk Live amplifier is access to our classic archives. For just $3 a month, you can become an amplifier, and you'll help us get on more radio stations and MP3 players. Get the details at amp.freetalklive.com. That's amp.freetalklive.com. This is Free Talk Live. It's your show. You can bring up anything if you dial toll-free, 800-259-9231. You can be on topic or change the topic, whatever you want. 800-259-9231. Join us on our website at freetalklive.com. Features are free, so enjoy those, including the updates. You get signed up. We'll let you know whenever you need to know something uh, fresh about Free Talk Live. Just go to updates.freetalklive.com. Get on the list for free. That's updates.freetalklive.com. Over spring break, don't spend your time drinking in Mexico. Go to the Institute for Humane Studies uh, seminars. They're having them at... And uh, drink there. Well, they, they probably have some drinking going on. I imagine on so. Yeah, I imagine. Just guessing. I don't know. Uh, obviously, nobody under the age of uh, consent would be drinking there. Oh, no. Never, no, no libertarians would ever allow such things to happen. University of California, Santa <laughs> Cruz, March the 7th through the 12th, and Emory University in Atlanta, Georgia, March 14th through the 19th. They're having uh, libertarian cinem- seminars. There have been, there've been some on uh, past subjects such as Does Walmart Reduce Social Capital? Not sure what social capital is. Because we didn't go to college. Yeah, classical libertarianism and the women's rights movement, government and morality, public choice and education. I think these are really great. Uh, the IHS pays for everything: your housing, your I meals. I think that's great. Yeah, I mean they've got they've got people that want kids to learn this stuff, and it's open to graduates, undergraduates, and graduate students, recent graduates. And uh, the deadline for early acceptance is uh, November the fifteenth. Go sign up for this at libertarianseminars.com. If you know somebody who's in the college age bracket, let them know about this. This is a great opportunity. Wait a minute, Mark. What if you're a homeschooling student who's like 14 but in college? I don't see any reason. It just it doesn't say age groups. It just says okay. It's basically, you said age groups. I'm sorry. Uh, right. Generally, that age group is true. Um, it's it's it, generally that does focus on age group. You're right. It's a, it's on an academic group. Very good. 
libertarianseminars.com. So we are talking about homeschooling, which is why I uh, decided to insert that in there, reading a very detailed email from Eric telling us about what his experience has been like in the realm of homeschooling, not just with his kids, but knowing other parents at homeschool and that sort of thing, and talking about a lot of the common objections that come up. And so I'm going to continue to allow him to speak here because he's got a lot of interesting things to say. Uh, For those of you that don't really know much about homeschooling, this is uh, quite an insightful little email, actually somewhat lengthy email. Always my concern was always socialization. Those people must be weird. Their kids don't get out of the house. Right, and that's an easy one to nail. I mean, especially now with the Internet, uh, people able to meet one another, homeschooling parents, meeting other homeschooling parents, uh, scheduling different meetings and dances and field trips and things like that. The homeschoolers are totally into what they're doing, and they're into meeting other homeschoolers and getting out there and doing things with them. Anyway, he says that uh, – so he's able to really get uh, – really connect with his son uh, because of the, you know, the fact that he's teaching his son. His son doesn't have to be concerned about asking an embarrassing question in front of the class, possibly being uh, belittled by other students or maybe even the teacher, an uncaring teacher. He lets me know if he doesn't understand something, says Eric, without feeling stupid or ashamed, all without any time constraints. We have all day, if need be. No bells ringing and uh, shuffling you out of class and into the next class. No standing in line at the lunch counter. Right, and no, um, none of this, I, I don't feel like asking a question because I'll look stupid. Uh, right. If classmates will laugh at me, the teacher will belittle me. You know, any of that, all that stuff that goes in. It's gone. It, it, yeah. It's not there. The um, Let's let's not forget what happens in the halls of uh, schools and out on the playground. Your it's kid, hell. Your kid won't be beaten up. I, you can beat him up yourself at, um, if you homeschool him. Oh, but uh, and, Well, I'm just saying, if, if you want your kid to get that kind of socialization, slap him around. It's not a problem. But, you know, this is this is what one of the things that uh, parents are, you know, uh, protecting their kids from. And I don't want to use protecting, but, you know, this yeah, that is, was not a good experience for me. The, the playground it's, experience. It's, public school is Lord of the Flies, it man. Yeah. It, it's awful there. Might and, make sure and you know what? Uh, I, I'm making it sound private school is the same way. I went, to, oh, I went sure. to eight, nine years of private school and four years of you're uh, forcing public. kids. I'm not forcing. I guess in private school, it's not really forcing, but you're you're putting kids together. That may not want to be together. At least with homeschooling, you can pick and choose who your homeschooling buddies are. You know your other families that you hang around with. If you don't like them, then don't. You don't have to go anywhere with them. If, or do if they, I mean, do they really? Yes, they should be able to deal with life from a threatening, um, you know, standpoint. But is the best way to put them in threatening positions or to sort of? Teach them, you know, I how mean, to have them it, yeah. teach, have them take Taekwondo uh, classes if you want them to learn how to deal with somebody who might be threatening them. But, I, you know, I just yeah. this this whole culture of putting kids together in the same age bracket yep, and seeing throw them in there. seeing which ones come out on top, right. who's most popular, who's biggest, who's uh, it's yuck. awful. It's very detrimental, in my opinion. Anyway, he goes on to say that uh, usually all day isn't even required. The typical school day is finished by early afternoon with several breaks in between subjects. Afterwards, my kids are outside playing and getting tons of exercise. They're physically fit without an ounce of fat on their bodies, even though they're allowed some of those sweets which the government has declared to be an evil, fattening menace. In reality, sitting at a desk all day and then some more on a bus might be closer to the correct explanation for today's chubby youths. In fact, I think he makes a good point that about being able to really structure the day how you think it should be structured, uh, scheduling in breaks. I mean, for instance, 
I work really well when I uh, set a reward for myself. So if I know that something is coming up that I want to do uh, and I have to do X, Y, and Z before I get to that thing that I want to do, I'm really motivated to get X, Y, and Z done. So the same thing can happen when you're dealing with uh, with a homeschool situation. Like, hey, you know, Johnny, we're going to learn this uh, section of this math stuff here. And then once you're done with that, we're going to go out and play catch for a little while or whatever it is that Johnny wants to do. I and like, really motivated. I like uh, my system is what's important now. I try to ask myself that question 10 or 20 times a day. Am I doing what's most important right now? And, you know, I have my own little mental checklist as to why it's important to me. Am I earning money for me and my family? Am I, uh, you know, promoting the radio show I'm on, which would then earn money for me and my family? You know, these, um, you know, th- th- those are the reasons that I manage to uh, get things done. But I like the flexibility that I have working from home, doing uh, doing things that way. If I need to... Well, do some work around the house. I can cut off making telephone calls yeah. to to potential advertisers, and I think that it would be even better if I could teach my kid what's important now. Mm, what should point. we be? What should we we be working on? What's the most important thing for nobody us to ever work taught, on right now? Nobody ever taught me priorities in government high no, school. No, they taught you how to listen to from top down management. Yep. They taught you how to work inside some big company somewhere. You, you essentially, know, you, you mentioned flexibility, and he addresses that next. He says the flexibility is, of homeschooling is terrific as well. If the weather man is calling for rain in the afternoon, the children are outside playing in the morning, and then they're getting their schooling done later on in the day. There's no regimented clock to be following. We can take the entire curriculum with us and go to Disney World in February for a week, avoiding long summer lines and getting more bang for our buck. And, you know, I'll bet you, I don't know, I haven't done homeschooling, but I'll bet you that uh, the kids can probably do their, uh, their work in a day. Uh, I mean, excuse me, their their days work in like a couple of hours. Sure. Just just when you when you take out all this, uh, the explanations uh, for kids that haven't got it quite as quickly. Having to slow class, it down. Just remember yeah. what that was like in class. You know, you got it. You understood. Right. And then you had to wait for the rest oh, of the kids to geez. understand. It's irritating. Yeah. And so that, you know, causes you to go and do, you and know, think, about other, right, think well, about the, other things, talk kids, to your friends. Right. The kids that are bored in government school act out and then they get prescribed Ritalin because they're acting out when, in fact, they're just too damn smart for for the curriculum. They're not engaged. Uh, you know, also the the time getting up between classes, putting bo- books in lockers, putting mm-hmm. them out of lockers, you know, the 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 time talking to your friends, lunch, all all these things. Driving to school on the school bus. I mean, that's time all this time home. that school took, you know, that's taken out. The curriculum, he says, can be scheduled to work around any and all unexpected circumstances which life throws our way. And since the work is done and completed within regular schooling hours, there's never any homework, leaving more family time. How great is that? You know, that's something I never even thought of. There's no such thing as homework with uh, with homeschooling because it's all homework. So whenever you're at Whenever you're doing the homeschooling, you're getting the homework part done. That way, when the evening time comes, you get to play board games or do whatever it is that families do together, eat dinner together and all that stuff. It's I think that's great. Anyway, he says, as for my credentials to teach the children, which this is a common objection, especially by the most vehement government school people, the government people out there love to talk about, well, what about the credentials? What, how are you going to teach anything if you haven't gone to college and right. learned how to teach? And it shows the, it shows the small-mindedness of the person that would make that statement. Look, if I want to learn trigonometry, if I want to learn calculus, how am I going to learn that today? I have a couple of options. I could go to school and, uh, you know, some college somewhere, learn calculus, pay some professor to teach me, or I could learn myself on the Internet. Yeah. What's more valuable to me, the ability to go and learn myself or to pay somebody else to do it? Are you saying I wouldn't know calculus as well if I went out and learned it on the Internet? 
I can't say that. No, Do I need an accredited person to teach me? Otherwise, my calculus isn't good enough because I learned mine on the Internet? More is on the way here. 800-259-9231. This is Free Talk Live. This is Free Talk Live. Only moments remain. Just enough time for your call at 1-800-259-9231. The SACL CAI toll-free line. It's Ian here with you. And Mark. And you can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. All the features on the site, they're free. So enjoy those on us. And if you like the show and want to help support Free Talk Live, one of the best ways to do so is to become a Free Talk Live amplifier. Just head over to amp.freetalklive.com. Get on board with the program for as little as 3 bucks a month. You could sign up with any major credit card, PayPal, or some of our alternative options. And what we do is we take that money in and reinvest it into the show, getting on more radio stations across the country, around the world, bringing more Internet listeners on board with the program and exposing as many people as quickly as possible to the message of freedom and liberty. So if that's valuable to you and you want to help us out, become an amplifier at amp.freetalklive.com. Again, it's only 3 bucks a month, and you get perks uh, to sweeten the deal a little bit. You get access to the amp-only call-in lines, chat room, forum, more. Uh, we also have the amp-only uh, classic archives. You get an amp-only podcast and there's some little perks that aren't worth mentioning here but they're kind of fun too so head over to amp.freetalklive.com to get signed up learn more about it and get on board that's amp.freetalklive.com all right we continue here with a few more thoughts from eric in south carolina sharing with us uh, some of his experiences in the realm of homeschooling his children and he is uh, quite glowing about it. It's been quite a wonderful experience. Got nothing but good things to say about it. There's no reason to not do this. If you can do it, you probably should be looking into it. Well, and, and another thing about this, is, and it's been brought up a couple of times in the show, and somebody sent an email about it not too long ago recently. The um, when 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 uh, homeschooling sort of pursued, imagine for a second. Um, the advantages of homeschooling in a small group. What if you and a couple of friends, uh, you know, you saw, th- saw the world similarly or whatever? I mean, that would seem like that would be how you would get involved in this. Is maybe it was your church or uh, some kind of organization or something. I don't know. But you decided that you wanted, uh, you know, w- one person's parent to sort of supervise the whole three or four or five kids. Now you've got one uh, teacher because I think that the average person could probably teach kids, uh, say, kindergarten through sixth grade pretty easily. You know, one one supervisor there to, to take care of these kids. They could have these small little sort of study groups and that kind of thing. Sure. But you can't do that now because of the limits on homeschooling. You can't do that. No. No. What, 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 what do you mean? You can't do this sort of co-op learning. Do you think that I can take the next door neighbor's kids and educate them? He says he does that stuff. He's about to talk about it here in a moment. Really? I didn't think you could do that. Maybe in some some states there's laws against it. I mean, if you're there's dealing pro- with there's people... There's a lot of homeschoolers listening right now. Um, if you understand what I'm saying, tell, me, tell us the limits on yeah. the sort of co-op learning situation, Well, I mean, please. it's only limits if you feel like follow, following those limits. And this is one of my biggest critiques of the homeschooling movement. Like most people in America, they're completely subservient to whatever it is the but government demands of them. you probably couldn't pay those people. Compensate them for their I see time. What you mean? Yeah, that's probably not what. It, that's probably not what's going on at all. Yeah, uh, they're just sort of swapping out, swapping out, or something like here's that. Here's what he says: uh, As for my credentials to teach the children, I have no formal education certificate or license, license that proves my ability or lack thereof. What I possess is a parent's desire to do what's best for my kids. I can co-op any subject out of any of the better qualified individuals who abound within the homeschooling community. Again, those aforementioned news, newsletters advertise about people with expertise in any subject. 
He says, have we completely lost the notion of beneficial private institutions and private interaction in this country? Those same newsletters also keep me up to speed on the latest happenings of the local homeschool sports team, homeschool band, class trips, and cultural events like the homeschool prom night. When one reflects upon government school system, uh, the government school system, it should not be difficult to realize its shortcomings. Take, for example, the fact that teachers as a profession are the most likely to have their own children in private schools. That alone should raise a red flag in the minds of most parents. From an economic standpoint, a monopoly run by a union is a recipe for disaster and explains the ever-increasing need for more tax dollars while the quality of education continues to deteriorate. It's not entirely a monopoly, but it's a this funny little thing that's close to a monopoly in the sense that everyone has to pay for it. They don't necessarily have to use it. Yep, that's true, um, though the only way you can get around not using it is if you have enough money to pay on top of your property taxes to pay for a private school education or, homeschool education. or decide to withdraw yourself from the whatever job uh, career that you have in, in, in homeschool. So it's certainly a uh, quite entrenched business model, let's yes. say that. With well, it's, it's kind of a monopoly it. in the sense that everyone has to pay. They're, yeah. they're incentivized in the same way a monopoly is. It's a monopoly, and you can use its, uh, its benefits if you choose to or not. All right, so uh, he says that uh, the teachers, uh, from an economic standpoint, monopoly is a recipe for disaster, and there's always, of course, a need for more tax dollars while quality of education deteriorates. Also, there's no dearth of available information revealing that government-controlled education is a tool for indoctrination, rendering society into submissiveness. Marx mentions the need to separate the masses from their history. Stalin, in typical fashion, refers to education as a weapon. Disraeli discusses the need for state education to ensure implicit obedience. In essence, the government wants good workers, not free thinkers. And this is backed up. In fact, if you're coming out to uh, his claims, totally backed up. If you're coming out to the New Hampshire Liberty Forum coming up in early March, which we talked about earlier tonight, freestateproject.org slash Liberty Forum, John Taylor Gatto is going to be one of the featured speakers there. And he knows this inside and out. He wrote the book on it. He did the digging. He used to be a government school teacher, teacher of the year in New York State, as I re- if I recall correctly. And he did the digging and he found out that that's exactly what the system is designed to do. The government school system is designed to create obedient little serfs. Little serfs that won't question the situation they're placed into. They won't question the box. They won't question reality. They won't question authority, so-called authority. These little serfs, that's what they want. They want people who will just go and plug into a job, follow it as long as they possibly can, possibly to retirement, so they can make money for the system, for the people running government, for the elites, and so on and so forth, and never question their position in life. That's what the system is designed for. And then, of course, there's the system that the elites put their kids into, which, of course, the private school, so they can get a real good education and maybe actually know how to think on an individual basis and critically and that sort of thing. Uh, the politicians and teachers do not send their kids to government schools for the most part because they know what's going on they know that there's a better way anyway just a few more thoughts from eric he says i'll end this correspondence by stating just how glad i am to be doing my part to help the government school system and society as a whole along with all the other homeschooling parents i am paying gobs of money for a system i hope to never use this means more money for other students also since my kids stay home i'm helping to keep the class size to a manageable level which i hope helps all those fine unionized teachers to do their jobs sure i'd like to keep my money and have private affordable educational choices but since that's not about to change anytime soon i thought i'd point out the win-win scenario we presently enjoy so, no need to pass any laws to the contrary. We're just happy to do our part. 
Well, that's very nice of him. However, I intend to send my child, or send, I mean, uh, to homeschool my child. And, you know, I I guess to me, the way I see it is, you know, when I have to pay property taxes, that's money that could be used to educate my child yeah. i could be putting money away for his college um you know every every dollar that uh, if he chooses to go if he chooses to go if he wants to do that uh, so that money is money that the essentially these people out there that want to see their kids educated in a free system are taking away from my kid they're stealing from jack i yeah. mean yeah they are they're stealing from jack i mean this 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 beautiful little child that's done nothing to them and has no obligation to them has never you know knows nothing about uh, about these people, they're taking things from them. Do they want to spit in his face too? Do they, they want to break his little fingers? These damn thieves! These people disgust me. These people in their sick. public schools, and they oh, but what about the children? What about the poor kids? Well, look, public school isn't for poor kids, and you know it. Public schools to educate <laughs> all kids. The kids that are the, the parents that are driving their kids there, they're driving better cars than I am. They're giving their kids cars, Don't man. give me that crap about public school being for poor kids. If it was about poor kids, then we would be providing them um, with the level of education that we're pro- providing welfare recipients with. They'd be getting blocks of cheese and, and certificates for milk, uh, you know, th- that kind of thing. They'd be getting the ad- an adequate education, you, but they wouldn't be getting Olympic-sized swimming pools and computers in every class and all this other stuff. That's, that's the stuff that the middle class people they could afford it. For, Right, they yeah. could if they could afford it, and if people decided that they would give it to them. But that's the middle class wanting the best education for their kid, and they're willing to steal from my kid in order to get it. But it's they're disgusting. not getting the best education. They're getting garbage education, and they're telling themselves, well, our school's an A school. Well, your well, school, even if, even though it's an if A school, it still sucks in comparison to home schools and private schools. It's, it's true. And if, they're, if, if they wanted to, uh, and, and they think that they're going to get better education by getting more money, and you're not. You know, I'd like to point one thing out that I disagree with Eric on, and he says that that is that it's not about to change anytime soon as far as the government school uh, apparatus having to pay for it through property taxes. I think that could change pretty soon if people just find some courage. I mean, come up here to New Hampshire, join the Free State Project, get here, and then find some other people that have courage enough to stop paying property taxes. And I don't mean the whole thing. Just... Just take an axe to your property taxes and lob off 60%, send in 40%, and say, here you go. My kid's not going to your government schools. I'll be keeping this 60% for myself and deciding what to do with it. Maybe I'll give some to charity. Maybe I'll give some to my tenants back. Maybe I'll put my kid through a homeschooling system with it. Whatever. If people were to just get together and have some courage and make a stand for liberty, we could change this overnight. They're not going to steal everybody's homes from them. More on the way tomorrow night. See you then online in the meantime at freetalklive.com. DVD, books, music, instruments, periodicals, computers, software, electronics, photo, cell phone, office product, home and garden, bed and bath, furniture, kitchen, pet supply, automotive, hardware, apparel, shoes, jewelry, grocery, healthcare, sports and outdoors, toys, games, used and more. It's a department store at your fingertips. Amazon.freetalklive.com. Get all your shopping done, a great deal, delivery to your door, and a percentage of your purchase will go to Free Talk Live when you enter Amazon through Amazon.freetalklive.com. 